Boom, we are live. Welcome back, everybody, to Benzinga Live. Happy Tuesday. What is everyone trading out there? Uh, you got President Joe Biden speaking right now. He should be finished in, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, give or take. Um, but yeah, oil prices continuing to rise. The U.S. banning Russian oil imports. Your big headline from today. Well, that was a good transition. Whoever did that. Uh, just to give y'all a quick rundown of the show today. In a few minutes, I'm going to bring on my man, David Green. We're going to be doing some live trading uh, with Mr. Green. And then Matt Smith, who is the lead oil analyst uh, at America's at Kepler, will be coming on at 12 o'clock. Uh, and then Renato from Benzinga will be coming on at 1230. We'll be talking some option trading with Renato. Then Christian Fromhertz from Tribeca Trade will be coming on 1 p.m. And then Tim Quast. Market Structure Edge, 1.40 p.m. Eastern. Packed show today, as always. Um, let's go ahead, get the show rolling, roll that intro, and bring on my man, David Green. This is Ben Zinga Live. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show to talk to my POs. Jake Wojcik from Trend Spider. We have a breaking news. All righty, guys. Let's get David on the show. David, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Aaron. How are you, my friend? Hey, man. I'm good. The markets are doing That's what they've so been doing, just being volatile. Yeah, exactly right, which is good for trading. I mean, the market's been all over the place. What now have you been watching Mr. this morning? Biden. We got Mr. Biden. Well, oil's been, you know, number one on our list and the oil stocks. I was kind of thinking that it would be like a buy the rumor, sell the news. And once he comes out and say all this stuff, we'll see a little tipsy doodle in this stuff. But we're not getting much. I mean, look at look at yet. look at the daily look at the daily candles on Chevron. I mean, we talked about last time you were on, uh, David, how how Lockheed Martin, it was so strong, uh, but at some point it's wanna, gotta I wanna, get I wanna show you how that trade worked. I'll show you. I well, by the way, I got in that trade. I bought Lockheed puts that day, and the next morning they were up three hundred percent bucks, right? Yeah, they were up 300%. Yeah. Well, f first of all, first of all, though, David, I bought them, and from about noon to four, they lost like 30%, 40% value, but I held on right. to them overnight, and then the next morning, Lockheed opened down like 3 or 4%. Um, but this chart, I mean, I, I get it. I get why Chevron's so strong. You don't want to you know, sell into strength, but at some point, this has got to get overextended, no, right? This is definitely getting overextended right now. As a matter of fact, today would be a good day. If we make new highs in Chevron today, and I know what's going on in the world and stuff, we'll start a little swing trade. We're up at 87 RSI right now. I mean, and, come on. <laughs> and we are with 20 points, with like 15% above the closest moving average, right? Jeez. Oh, yeah. It, it's getting ready. And, and I know we all know what's going on in the world. But look, it was going on in Limited that day too, right? Yeah, this was, this was it, right? This was the third day. The stock made a high that day of like 458. The next day, it made a low of 429. So it's the same kind of charts. That's, and look, it's since made new highs and gone all the way back up. But the trade was when we got really stretched out, got the relative strength way above 80, and it went down 29 points the next day. So I think Chevron is – and we did another one, guys. I want to show you KR, right? This was another one. Kroger. Kroger. Same setup, guys. We had day one, day two, day three. This stock made a high of 62.50. The same day it went down six points. So this is a little swing that we started. I think we started at 61 in this, and we added at 62, and we cashed in on the same day. 
But yeah, this is getting a little redonka donk and Chevron. So I, I think, certainly, where are we right now? If we close above 174, yeah, let's close above the highs and then we'll look to do a little something in that, maybe buy some puts for the next couple of days or something. So that one's definitely on our radar today. And there's a lot of, a lot of these oil. Have you seen some of these little freaking uh, oil stocks that have been doing? Yeah, I mean, look at INDO, Indonesia Energy, uh, right. OEG is yep. another one. Um, yeah. I well, here, pull, old, pull, pull, pull up the daily candles on this. You'll I'm see how crazy. Cra oh, my God. $6. It's I mean, ridiculous. No, it was it was a $2 stock a month ago. It went up to seven sixty seventy yeah, bucks it yesterday. It was $2.61. <laughs> I mean, I get I get it, right? Money's flowing into energy, flowing into oil, so everyone's no. going to try to find the cheap. No, everyone, is, all the retail. Everyone's trying, not, trying to find. This is not going to end well, guys. No, no, not at all. Never, I'm saying I get why does. these stocks have run up because everyone's trying to find like the cheap, low float energy that had somehow even if they're not really pretty you know good companies they don't care they're just trying to get no get, exactly get, get right spike look, up. it's fine for a trading vehicle like i always say it's yeah. first of all they never let you short these things okay that's part of the problem right on any platform you go to you can't short them and that's why these low float stocks do what they do that's exactly why but uh, yesterday afternoon i don't want to go back to the chart from yesterday afternoon but this gave a couple of really good trading setups yesterday late in the day where it hit our moving averages and did it exactly what it was supposed to do here here's yesterday at, towards the end of the day right and now the stock made a high of what let's take a look 86 dollars. so i want to show you the first time it came down and hit our 65 ema it was around 69 it went up seven dollars first time it came back and hit our, down and hit our 200 ema which is about 56 and it went up six dollars in the next five minutes. So even these crazy wackadoodle ones, you just wait for technical analysis to set up, and you can trade them. And you know, I always tell everybody, don't do any big size and stuff like this. But you know, when you can make four, five, six points out at a time on these trades, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, none of these, like you just said, Spence, none of these are going to end well. It's just never it's does. Inevitable. Never does. And the only people who make money in it are the people who are smart enough to get in and out and get a trade. Caterpillar higher today. Well, listen, all these manufacturing stuff. Caterpillar is another one, right? Look at the daily. Uh, this is the first day in Caterpillar, but this has come a long way. Cat Caterpillar and Deer both have been, I mean, it's not just them, obviously. It's almost everyone out there, but they've been having a rough go of it. Well, let's look at Cat on a daily chart. And he's done. So that was about, <laughs> that was about what, 15 minutes, I think, maybe less. For what? Um, oh, Biden. Uh, Biden's Biden. Done now? Yep, he's All done. Right, so let's go to spies now and see what kind of real move we're going to get in the market now that he's yep. done. And we'll check out oil and all that other stuff. All right. So spies are almost on their lows. Uh, we just bounced a dollar off the lows. Let's see what oil's doing now. I, I just want to uh, welcome everybody coming over who is watching our Joe Biden stream. This has been Thinking Live. This is our midday show that we do every day, 1130. To two, I'm getting the signal that our stream is not ended yet. So Aaron's going to signal me when it does. Excellent. So we're right in the middle of everything now, guys. There's not much trade yeah. setting up. So why don't we take some questions or talk about some stocks that anybody wants to, or anything you yeah. guys want to? Yeah, um, uh, I, I'm going to say, I'm say what I just said earlier. Uh, I want to welcome everyone who's coming over from our Joe Biden stream. Um, 
This is Benzinga Live. This is our daily show that we do every day right here on Benzinga's YouTube channel, 11.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We're on with David Green right now. Um, and we're just going through the markets. We're going through trades. We're going through setups. So drop your questions in the chat. And uh, we'll take a look. Oh, symbols are flying right now. We're not going to look at... Okay, you know what, David? Fine. You want to look at CEI for us? CEI is another one of these, these garbage names that is just being pumped... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, let's, talk, let's go to this one first, ISPO, which was okay, a, sure. a little garbage name that was $9. Garbage. To $108, right? Oh, my gosh. Now, it's actually coming to a little technical level now, around 15 bucks. So I might start looking at this thing actually around $15. That is our 200 EMA on a daily. Uh, this was an IPO at like $9, right? And I think four days after it opened at 9 it went to 108 but it's finally coming to a little technical level around 15 bucks. So I might start taking a little peek at peek at that one if we get down to around 50. Bucks. All right, I, I'm being I'm being told I don't I, have enough. Oh, I'm being criticized. Apparently, I don't have enough energy. You guys want energy? That's the problem. We don't have any energy. That's the problem. That's why we're here. We're dependent on Russia for our energy. I'm dependent. Yeah, but isn't it a stat we get like three percent of our oil from them, or maybe eight percent tops? Something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. who knows? You know what? There is again. I'll go back to this all the time, right? I don't know. It's uncertainty. The market just hates uncertainty. Anything that you yeah. put in front of this market, we can we can swallow, we can take. But with all this uncertainty and that, it's very difficult to market for the market to climb this wall of worry with this much uncertainty out there. It Man, there's is. there's there's just so much unknown out there. There is there is a war, and if that wasn't enough, there is inflation. That's right. All right, that totally caught me off guard. I don't know if that caught the rest of you off guard. <laughs> so whoever did that, thanks. That's but that's a great segue into my point. Pump and Powell. Next week we have a Fed meeting. They're going to raise rates a quarter point, probably most likely. There's like a ninety. Four yeah, percent chance of that no that happening. With this, they're raising a quarter point. Yes. Yeah, and it's, so it's like, do they go more? Do they signal that they're, they're going to go more? I don't know. We're going to find out. Um, so, welcome everyone. If you're new to the show, this is a pretty casual thing we do. We just kind of hang out. We talk stocks. We look at charts. We talk about the market, and um, we just kind of shoot the shit. We YOLO your, trade with David Green. We also do YOLO trades. Uh, well, him <laughs> him more than me, but I'm. I, I, I can do them on occasion. So Why? that's a um, good point. Someone just mentioned the VXX and should you be buying some of this for protection? Um, the only time I ever buy VXX is, is for a trade, right? And yeah. this thing is built to go to zero. And, and it does. Yes. It, this thing has uh, gone up and then reverse split like once a year for the last 10 years that it's been you, around. You remember the day, David, the, where it went? It, it was the, the Volpocalypse. Volpocalypse. Volmageddon. Wait, wait, what was it? What was it, the it, fund? It was, it, was, it, was, it was XIV. It was the inverse VIX. XCI. Everyone was had a business or something? Yeah, it was It was 2016, I think. It was the inverse VIX ETN. It went to zero. It literally went to, It went from like whatever it was, 40 down to zero yep. in one day because of yeah. one random volatility spike. And people, I remember like... um. For whatever did, reason, I remember like people. They, they came out. And yeah, well, going to it like midstream. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. They they like they shut the thing down like that day. It was like a really weird thing. So, and anyway, the the takeaway here is VXX is a weird instrument. It you know it 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 is designed to kind of track the VIX in a way, but it it it's designed to track the VIX on any given day. 
But beyond that is anyone's guess. Um, definitely not meant to be buying, bought and hold, uh, held. I can't speak. But. Yeah, I mean, right now they all look good because the market's down, right? So again, we yeah. got to go to technicals, okay? And the spider is really the only thing we have now. And maybe, I mean, we have a double bottom that we made on that panic day, right? When we were down to the 411 or whatever it was this day. Right. That uh, was yeah. after four and, straight and, days down. That was your capitulation. We made and, but we're not far off that now, David. No. We're not far off that. We're not. We are not at yeah. all. So, you know, we talked about this. I've talked about it a bunch. You know, I have to go to a weekly chart to find good support in the spiders. And unfortunately, it's down around 355. We had that conversation last week. Yeah. So, I mean, you're there, talking. There, there's not there's not a lot to like. I mean, I, I looked this morning. I looked at the top the, the 50 best performing non-leveraged etfs of the year of 2022 and of the top 50 48 of them were some form of energy or commodity fund yeah. 48 of the 50 that's it if you've been in energy if, if you've been in oil if you've been in commodities of any kind you're having you're having a good time right now no and question. if you're in anything else you're not it's not fun it's just it's not fun so hopefully some of these big hedge funds are you know, they have a little bit of that to offset the uh, major losses that they're seeing right now. Um, the, the, uh, the jump shot, is that, is that who that is in the chat? Just drop PayPal in there. PayPal made a new low of the move <laughs> yesterday. If you're buying PayPal now, man, you're, I mean, good luck. Maybe David can give you a level or something, but like that thing is I'll tell you what going... we did in PayPal. And we swung yeah. the stock, right? We oh, swung, gosh. Swung. Look, look at this. This thing. is the day we swung it when we had that big. After the four days down, I think we started buying this at 96. It made a low of 94.50 and then went up 16 points from there. But this is this is ugly again now. No, I would not be buying PayPal. I would not be buying PayPal. And again, I'll do it for a trade if we get really stretched out for three days again. And we have, you know, an RSI. But for a long-term investment, I, I, there's nothing here. I, I Absolutely nothing here. How, how do you come in? You're, you're, you're trying to be a hero. You're trying to catch a falling knife. And you may maybe you'll catch it. About, maybe why you'll is catch. Microsoft down 3%? And again, you'll, you'll catch it for trades. And that and that's, that's yeah. what will happen with this thing. You know, the stock went up 15 points if it was really oversold. And the same thing's going to happen again. But that will not be in my long-term portfolio anytime soon. Well, to answer Aaron's question, why is Microsoft down? The whole market's down. It's yeah. down with the whole market. Again, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, all these things. They're all, they're all, they're all down. The market. Yeah, yeah, they're all down. But these I are the kind realize. of stocks. Look at Microsoft now, okay? We're getting oh. there, guys, right? Yeah, but And you know what, though? If you are, we were talking about this this morning, like, if you do want to buy stocks, like, for a long, if you want to, like, enter long-term positions, make some new long-term investments here, like, what do you want to buy? I would much rather buy a Microsoft or an Apple today or, or this week or this month than, like, a PayPal or, like, some other random... Oh, Fubo. Fubo, great example. You know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah. would rather buy Microsoft and Apple than Fubo or or, or PayPal, right? Um, yeah, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, probably the three yeah, on my yeah. list. Because you know when the market turns, those things are going to turn. It, well, what about what about what about Netflix here? Netflix is sitting at fifty percent of its of its share value from three months. I mean, three months ago it was a seven hundred dollars stock. It's a three hundred fifty dollars yeah. stock now. Yeah. If you loved it at seven, you should. If you liked it at seven, you should love it at three fifty. Um, these, these value investors. Wait, know, look at the RSI. Look, look mean, at the RSI on Netflix. Things on a like non-existent. Twenty-five. You never see that. I mean, I don't think you've seen that probably going back ten years. 
Look how far back I'm going. No, I'm serious. Look, no. I'm looking for a 25 RSI on a weekly chart. I've gone back four years. I can't. It, it hasn't happened. It hasn't so, happened. so, so, so you're saying it's oversold? <laughs> it's an understatement. Is that what you're saying, David? I'm just, just trying to clarify. Again, I'm looking technically. I have no support on a daily chart. I have no support on a weekly chart. So, you know, again, if we get to a 20 RSI on a weekly chart, I think you can start buying a little and putting it away. You know, but again, there's so much competition with them and everything else. I mean, right, it's tough. Even for my long term positions, you know, I'm a technical trader. For, even for Apple is what I'm looking at. I'd love to see Apple. Oh, that's, that's, that's a nice little green candle on the spy right there. Yeah, I just, uh, just ripped up. Five minute, five minute candle. Yeah, let's take a peek. So, yeah, look at this. All right. So, I bet you Apple's low, up guys. the last five minutes, too. Guarantee it probably just went da up a buck if we go. Look David, at it. David, can you pull up like a FSLR for solar right now or, or a tan or something? I just want to see. Right. I, 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 for whatever reason, decided to come on this show. Oh, this is silliness. So, this is not. So, it's reacting to what Biden just said. Correct. But we we knew he was going to say that we knew That's he right. was going it, to. It's he said it repeatedly. He said it during the State of the Union that we like, we need to invest in I'll clean energy. Check, this yeah, is this move. I'm I'm surprised. Whoever just said that in the chat, I agree with you. I'm surprised to see the market react this way. Buying it'll take, it'll take five years for clean energy to travel through to make first solar make any money. This is it. interesting. Okay, so do we have a trade trade here in David? Because I, I see mean, it it's we're... sitting right on the daily level at eighty thirty four. Exactly. Okay, let me go to weekly. See where we are there and the weekly. So this is a huge spot, right? This is a huge spot right where we are right now. If we clear these levels, the next spot is 85 on a weekly, and the next spot is 88. Wow. They, I, I mentioned earlier right here. I mentioned earlier the fact that, you know, obviously commodities have been have been the only good trade this year. Solar has not been nearly as good, but it's also uh it's at least up. Solar is up this year. Solar is one of the few areas that's actually green for the year. Um Guys, so this go, uh, double top in Murner, okay, guys. One thirty sixty three. Murner, a little order out there. Double top in Murner. Realize we're trading Murner. Um, we trade everything. Something sets yeah. up for us to trade with trading. Uh, David, earlier we were talking about Chevron. You said if we if we get new highs of the day, we're we're approaching there. Potential double top setting up. Um, well, I'll let you look at the chart. But... I threw an order out at one seventy seven because that's where we have a little resistance in case it does that today. But I'll look towards the end of the day. And if it's hanging around the highs, we'll start a little tiny swing trade in that one. Got it. So just looking to see if it's able to to clear that previous highs of the day or not. Correct. Yeah, Got even it. if it doesn't, if we hang around here around the high of the day, I'll still look to do a little something for the next couple of days. I mean, oh, Green Car wants you to too. continue Green talking about CEI. I guess we interrupted we you. Will. We'll take a look at it. Sorry, eight, Sorry we're up eight that. days in a row in Chevron. We have almost a 90 RSI, and we are 20 points above the closest moving average. Now, again, guys, that doesn't mean these things keep going higher from here, but I think it's a good starting point, and that's what we look at. It's a good starting point to get involved. I, it is a little alarming how, how congested the rotation is. Typically, you know, something, things are always in favor and out of favor, but as I said, almost everything is out of favor right now with the exception of energy and commodities and to some extent solar and, and, and utilities, but everything else. And defense. Okay, fine. Lockheed, Mar yeah. Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, any defense contractor. You're right. That's fair. So, uh, but out of those five areas in the market, everything else is pretty much getting creamed. So, um, 
All right. You want to talk about CEI? Yeah. While, while he does that, I'm going to go get my laptop. Why? I'll be right back. Why are we talking about CEI? Because it's a meme, David. Yeah. I mean, meme, guys, at this point. This would this be point, a meme if it went up to $15. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was 80 cents and it went up to $1.90. Yeah. At, at this point, all these guys. cheap energy stocks have already ran up, right? I'm not going out and buying this after it's already been up 100% the past week. Guys, this is a meme, okay? Something that goes from a dollar to $2 is not a meme. BNTX, you're in short. Hold on, Andy. Let me take a look. BNTX. Five minutes. Oh, beautiful, guys. Okay, guys. So here's a trade that we posted in our room about, I don't know, a half hour ago. BNTX going from 127 to 129, hit our 200 EMA and just gave almost a dollar trade. So again, technical analysis. This thing was look down here too, guys, from this morning. And guys, anyone uh, who wants who's watching, uh, my email is dgreen927 at yahoo.com. You guys can come in and hang out for a week um, and watch us. Look down here to pivot point, 121.30, support. It went up there about $3. Here's our resistance, 129.02, and it just gave a nice dollar trade. So these are the kind of trades that we're trying to capture. And again, we're day trading, guys. These are the kind of trades that we try to capture all day long. And there's some people in our room that are trading 10 shares at a time, and there's some people in our room that are trading 1,000 shares at a time every time they make one of these trades. And we try to get a few of these trades every day that add up to a little bit of money at the end of the day, the week, the month, and the year. That's what we're doing in here. All right, CEI is not worth talking about. Really. Hey, it's not really. Hey, a hey, stop. he said it, not us. Don't, don't everyone go hating on us for. We didn't say that, although I would say it. Did. It did. Yes, it did go from sixty cents to two dollars. I, I see that, and that's great. First of all, you have to have you know ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand shares of this for it to be worth your while to do anything. But when we're talking about meme stocks, we're talking about INDO, and we're talking about ISPO. We're talking about these things that people have you know just ran up. For absolutely no reason, DWAC. Wait, I, DWAC's actually been crushed the past couple days. Yeah, but it's still it's still been good. I mean, net net. It's let's put it. Uh, have guys in your room been trading DWAC a lot? Yeah, this was a far from moving average trade. We got down here this morning. Check this out, guys. Uh, on a one minute chart, this stock on a five minute chart went from down eleven points, and we had a pivot point there, and it went up straight five straight up five dollars from here. It's not. This is another one that's not shortable on any platform. So. When they want to run this up, they can do whatever the hell they want with this thing. But here, guys, check this out, the daily chart. Isn't this crazy how technical analysis works? We oh, had that came day- in. Yeah, look at that. We had a daily 65 EMA right around 71.50. And wow. Like 80 cents below it. And it's up $7 from there. I mean, I'm not going in afterwards and putting these lines in the charts, guys. <laughs> these are there. If you went to a daily chart at DWAC while I was getting this smackdown, it hit that level, went about a buck below it, and has gone up uh, nine points. So, it, it is worth noting that over the last few minutes, everything has kind of turned here. And I, yes. say, I, I, I use that term gently um, or, or lightly. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't quite call it a big rally, but the Qs, the Spy, um, the, the the Russell have all have all bounced here. I mean, the Russell, heck, the Russell's green for the day. Whoa, didn't yeah, realize from, that. From from a trader's perspective, this is a big move. Right? We've the spiders have just gone from 415 to 418. That's a gigantic move. That's 30 handles in 20 minutes. So I'm looking where I could short it now, right? So I'll look. Uh, first spot to short it is this 41860, and I'll definitely be short at 41969. That's our 200 wow. EMA. 
Uh, can we short NVIDIA to 1480? Let's take a peek. Um, no, I would wait for double top in NVIDIA now about this point. Guys, for certainly everybody in my room, this market is just a little too volatile right now. I say we hang out, we'll wait for extremes before we're going to do anything and let the market do what it wants. In CEI at 79 cents. Good for you, man. That's great. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's beautiful. You know, I get um, messages from people who are, you know, in AMC at $3 and they still have it. I don't know why they still have I, it. It went to $73, I mean, but I think my thesis in AMC has been right since me and you, me and you guys started talking, right? And I think it was up in the 40s when we started talking and I'm, I still have I still have the same same thesis in AMC, and it's not positive. <laughs> I mean, you know, just like we always say, you know, it's not a loss until you sell. It's not. It's also not a gain, and it's not a profit until you sell. That right? is correct. I was actually I mean, looking to buy a little GameStop for maybe the first time in my life, other than trading it a couple of times. If we got down to this eighty-one level, wow. they have earnings coming out three seventeen. Uh, not till next week, but that's a two hundred EMA on our weekly chart around eighty-one. It was actually. Might have bought that one for the first time in my life. All right, just a, qu a quick plug. We're going to uh, have David on for a couple more minutes. Then we're going to pivot to a conversation about oil. We obviously just had the Biden press conference there. So Matt Smith will join us. He's the lead oil analyst for the Americas at uh, Kepler. He'll be on to uh, break it all down for us. Uh, that'll be in, at noon, so in four minutes from now. So Excellent. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to start shorting oil in a little bit here if we get uh, much higher from here for a trade anyway. <laughs> This guy that's on CNBC right now went to my high school. Did he really? Jim, McKel Jim McKelvey, the CEO of Square. He, oh, not while you were young? there. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. He went to my high school like 15 years ago. Oh, I, I was going to say. <laughs> what <laughs> well, have you listen, done with your life, Aaron? Guys, some of these CEOs are 21, 22 years old, so it's not. Yeah, a Aaron, wait, yeah. He, he, he created Square. What have you done with your life? Not, not created Square. <laughs> he might have been older when he did. No, you yeah, might, have, might, have, might have been like 28. I got you're you're here. <laughs> yeah, and what's so terrible? Uh, no, I'm just, uh, I, I kid, I kid. Both of you guys. If I had your guys' money, I'd burn mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true, Matt, David, You know but... I got to ask every week, right? You're still engaged? Everything good? He is. Wait, why do you always ask me that? As, as if something's going to change? Sure you're okay, that's all. <laughs> I don't know. Something's changed. I want to make sure you're happy. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, set it and forget it on that. Good. And no That's stop the losses. The no stop losses. November 6th, I think. I oh, guess, wow. Sure. That's not too far away. Uh, no, yeah. Got, got about, what, eight months, seven months? So eight, right. eight months, right? Yeah, so. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I guess we do. I guess we just haven't gotten our invites yet, but I'm sure they're on the way. Yeah. No one's got. Are, are you kidding me? The 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 uh, protocol is not is is, th is sending out invitations three months prior. That's the correct. That's the protocol. David knows, so yes, yeah, no one's got an invitation. Right? So take it, take take that, and and I don't know. Oxy is CVX is yeah. I don't want to do a double top in CVX, guys. I want to start swinging that. We'll wait to the end of the day. We'll start swinging. All right. I know we only got a minute or two left, guys. Um, if you're out there trading, be careful. Wait for your technical analysis to levels. I'm not ready to do anything long-term in any accounts here <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And um, look, this volatility is good for trading. That's, congratulations. That's it, man. That's, That's it. it. D-Green. David Green. Yahoo.com. Come on and visit. Thank you guys again, as always, for All right. Have a good one, David. With you. you guys too.
enjoy. Until next time. All right, let's talk oil here. Matt Smith is here with us, and there's David Dima on the screen. Matt Smith, uh, as I said, is the lead uh, oil analyst for the Americas at Kepler, and um, I'm sure he's got thoughts. Well, everyone has thoughts, but but some thoughts are m- worth more than others, and Matt's thoughts are, are worth more than, than ours here. So let's bring Matt on the show. Actually, let's give him the special new intro because he is a he's a new guest. So. Hey, Matt, how are we doing? Doing great, thanks. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, can I get your reaction real fast to the, the, the presser, the news of the day, probably in, in energy markets, that, that the U.S. has reversed course here and gone ahead with the, uh, the, the, uh, the embargo on the Russian oil? Yeah, it, it's absolutely wild. So even though it isn't necessarily a huge influence in terms of percentage terms of how much the U.S. is pulling in, because the U.S. pulls in about 6% of its oil and products from, from Russia. This is very much a, a symbolic effort. Uh, obviously, the U.S. is going to have to source that product from elsewhere, but really this is sending a huge message to Russia, one that they just didn't seem to be willing to do just a couple of weeks ago or that. So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge development for sure. And then just to be clear, because uh, Aaron and I seem to have uh, conflicting information, the U.S. did this without the participation of their allies, of the, of the EU, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay. So the situation is very different between the EU and the US. Europe is hugely reliant on Russia uh, for its energy needs, and so it pulls in like 40% of its natural gas from Russia. It pulls in you know, a quarter right. to a third of its oil as well. And so the US is very much a, a marginal player in terms of how much it's pulling in from Russia. But, you know, given the, the, the sway of the U.S., its stance, you know, as with its ally of, of Europe there, uh, to, to come out and do this, it's really, like I say, more of a, a symbolic thing. It's, it's, it's escalating um, its, its concerns uh, with Russia. And so this is, this is really going to d- develop into a new situation from here on an economic scale. And so let's talk about that for a second, because th- this this war has upended many economic models, project uh, pro- projections, predictions for the year, uh, in terms of 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 the of the European economy, the global economy, in, in a lot of ways. What what are the ramifications, symbolic as they may be, um, in terms of like the global oil market? Yeah, sure. So. so- Another thing as well is that it's symbolic in terms of the, the, the grains market as well. So, you know, Russia and Ukraine are producing, I think it's like a quarter of the world's wheat. And so that that has huge ramifications. The reason I mentioned that is because as we see oil prices spiraling higher here, it just means that we're going to have increasing inflation coming through. So that's going to happen on, on a global basis. If you think just specifically for the U.S., the key driver of gasoline prices, prices at the pump, is the price that uh, is the cost of the input, that oil price. And so what we've seen just today is record gasoline prices on the national average here in the US. Yep. And the challenging thing with that is that it takes time. Gasoline prices worked on a lagged basis. So they are still working in the price increase of the last like couple of weeks ago. And so what you're going to see going forward here, not only are we hitting a record at the pump, but that that record is only going to increase over the coming weeks here as it works in all that increase. So that's the really worrying thing. 
Uh, about how long is that lag, Matt? How long does it take for the prices to? And this is maybe, maybe it's different for all commodities, but for oil specifically, what is that lag time like? Yeah, sure. So it's probably a week to two weeks in terms of the lag okay. where it, it change. You see that index uh, change, the exchange traded contracts working its way down to the regions, to the racks, to the prices at the pump. Yeah, so it's a week to two weeks, but. Yeah, we, you know, the, the challenge is when prices are rising so high and so fast as they are at the moment, you know, we've seen like 56 cents, uh, something like that, added onto the, the, the national average in the last week. And so we're just on an absolute rip and that rip is going to continue, unfortunately. Matt, something that I thought was interesting was uh, the Biden administration essentially said last week, hey, we're trying to ramp up you know, energy production, but there are about 9,000 leases for for uh, oil rigs and uh, like drilling locations that are not being utilized by oil and gas companies in the U.S. right now. Why, why do you think there are so many leases being unused if gas prices are so high? It seems like it'd be a very lucrative time to uh, to be drilling and produce oil. Yeah, sure. Well, perhaps those leases are just not in the places where people are wanting to drill, so they may not be particularly good areas. And so, don't don't get don't let that be misleading what the US administration was saying there. US production is really ramping up here. And so even prior to all of this, as all prices were increasing last year, you were seeing increasing production. And the higher the prices tick, that's only going to incentivize more production going forward here. So that's going to be coming through. But the challenge is it is that you can't just like flip a switch and just increase production. It takes labor, it takes equipment, it takes the drilling, all these different things. It works again like gasoline prices on a lagged basis. And so it's not quite as simple as just uh, uh, turning that oil on. But that, that will come for sure as you see prices 120, 130 here. Uh, but as, as as prices stay high and it incentivizes more production, that will increase the supply and then hopefully kind of balance out those prices. In theory, yes. But in what theory. Prices, what, <laughs> Everything is in theory. What prices are pricing in now, though, is the loss of Russian supply. And so as U.S. production may be increasing in the coming months, it's only going to be plugging the gap for, you know, two million barrels a day of Russian production or Russian exports that have been shunned that Russia is now going to have to to keep floating on a vessel or put into to a tank. And so that's the situation you have here. Why prices have rallied so much in recent days is the realization that we're going to have a material loss of supply in the coming weeks. And we need to find that from somewhere or it has to be priced to be pulled from somewhere. I, I, I have a solution. This just occurred to me just now. We should all just go back into the lockdown. Just, just everyone just bite the bullet, go back into lockdown. Don't drive anywhere for a month. Then we can get through the problem, huh? Who's, who's yeah. with me? Oil prices will go who's with Oil me? prices will go negative again. Who's with me? No? no you one joke, else seems you to... joke about that, but like in Europe, they've been saying, you know, like uh, everyone turn down your heating a little bit, put on a woolly jumper, which is a, yeah. a, a European yeah. word for a sweater, and, right. uh, just to try and um, uh, cut down on energy. And so, you know, because we're so like uh, separated from it, you know, the, we're only seeing the increase at the, the pump of that. The, the Europeans are really worried about losing that supply. And so they are at that situation now where, you know, it's not beyond the realms where they will start to make behavioral changes, not locking down per se, but, you know, making certain changes. Yeah. Matt, is it worth it to try to even venture a guess as to how high oil could go? Or is that just not not a fruitful exercise? Uh, it keeps changing every day. Yeah. So I could tell you a price now, but it may be completely written off by next yeah. week. So uh, 
this is what I will say. You know, as that supply concern gets priced into the market, prices continue to tick higher from here. And so it seems that we're we're going to continue to push higher here. So whether that means we're going to get to 140, 150, I, that's the difficult thing about what okay. we know. What we do know is that we're not going to suddenly see prices drop down to uh, you know 30, 40, 50 bucks or something like that because this is a supply issue. It isn't necessarily some like wild speculative uh, element that's yeah. going on with the market here. Is it fair to say that the only way out of this predicament is an end to the conflict in, in Ukraine and therefore theoretically the ending of sanctions on Russia from there? That's the way that, that all prices would likely drop, yes. If there was some okay. end to the conflict and then the, the dominoes from there, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Matt, so what, what it's I, not a good situation to be in. Before you hopped <laughs> on, and, and Spencer and I were chatting, we were talking about, um, and I understand that the, the difference, right? The U.S. is a lot less reliant on the EU uh, in terms of imports from Russia, but I we we did get this headline uh, from this morning from Reuters that I guess EU is at least working on a plan um, to cut R uh, Russia gas dependency. And what I find so fascinating is, in the EU, different countries are. Um, you know, in different positions. For example, France has a lot of nuclear energy, and they actually um, produce more than 75% of their energy through these nuclear plants, whereas Germany has essentially phased out um, all of its, pretty much all of its nuclear plants. What's kind of, um, like, I see, like, LNG, liquefied natural gas, as kind of like a, a stepping stone toward maybe more, more sustainable energy. Um, could, that, could this be all be a big tailwind? for um you know like u.s lng companies that that would then we could export the lng to, to europe so they're not getting it from russia yes and no so it's really already happening so the u.s is ruling running full throttle at the moment in terms of hitting record exports of lng and those are getting pulled towards europe simply because europe is the highest price market in the world so it's pulling those lng cargoes away from say going to uh, to, to asia instead uh, into europe the, the, the kicker is, though, that the, Europe cannot import enough LNG. It doesn't have the uh, facilities in place or the capacity to, to take any more LNG than it has been, you know, like back in January. It was a, it was a record, basically. 100% of, of what they could take, they were doing. And so that's the thing. The, for Europe, they've just looked to Russia and have relied upon them because it's simple just to get that cheap, natural gas that cheap oil coming through a pipeline rather than importing it from say the other side of the world and so that's why they're in that situation here what 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 is i mean what can you just explain uh kind of like explain like i'm five like why is lng why why are proponents of it um why is it better than than you know other oil and gas products lng is liquefied natural gas it's it's simply just natural gas and so that's what Europe is pulling in uh, on, on the on predominantly by pipeline from Russia, but it's much cheaper. So say, I don't know, $6 uh, an MMB or MMBCU, something like that. In the US here, you know, it's also cheap. It's below $5, MMBTU, $5 MMBTU, but you have to liquefy it, which means freezing it to like minus 250 degrees. It then condenses it, turns to liquid. You put it on a vessel, it goes all the way across to Europe, and then they have to, to regasify it to turn it back into gas. So essentially, heat it up again. And so to do that, 
it costs a lot more than it does just to get it from a pipe from Russia. So that's why that, that's the difference, simply. Matt, in the U.S., we very famously or, or infamously had a gas and oil shortage in the 70s. What do you think the likelihood of that happening to us now is? It, it's not likely at all. So okay. the U.S. is just such a, a large producer of oil and gas now, okay. and particularly on the gas side, like I mentioned, we're exporting as much natural gas as we possibly can. So although the U.S. is under the influence of global prices, so we'll still have to pay up at the pump regardless as all prices rise here, shortages are not going to happen uh, just because we're producing you know, well over 11.5 million barrels a day of oil ourselves here. That at least makes me feel better, even though we are, like you said, at the mercy of the global uh, market in terms yeah. of what, we're, what the price and what we're paying at the pump. Matt Smith is the lead oil analyst for the Americas at Kepler, uh, joining us here on Benzing Alive. Uh, Matt, thank you for coming on today. We appreciate your insight, and uh, I'll have to have you back on again soon uh, as, as things play out here. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank All you, right. Matt. All right. Um, man, I don't, I, I, just, I don't even know like what to say anymore. Like, when is it going to end? When is the when is the global chaos going? To, it seems like we're on year three of this now. We're on year three of just well, global Spencer, chaos. I've always been taught that things happen in threes. So if we have COVID, Russia, Ukraine, then there's a third thing coming. <sighs> I mean, I maybe you're right. Maybe the third thing's better. Maybe it's worse. I don't know. But yeah, well, been, bad. No, bad things come in threes. Oh, bad things. And come this in is threes? only this is only number two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Unless there's a th another thing that we're missing in between this and COVID, which is um, which is entirely possible. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's start taking some guesses. What is the, what is the next Black Swan event? <laughs> Christian Gallagher wants to know. He's asking the right questions here. Uh, well, 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 we have war. Inflation, but inflation is. I would say connected to both COVID and the war. But well, you know maybe what? not the war. I would, I would almost. It is everything's connected. But you know what? That there's your third thing right there. I'm that, that's a separate issue. No. You don't I'm think so? I'm not buying it. Well, dude, the like the reason like you new cars are so expensive right now. Ah, uh, there we go. There we go. Jump shots got it right there. Uh, <laughs> that that's the black swan. The event. shift being banned. This is the real problem. The shift being banned is 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 the owners can't get their shit together. That's the real problem here. Is is um no elite trading? I'm not BZ Aaron in the BZ Discord. At are you BZ Aaron in the? Yeah, yeah that's my that, boy. That, AT. That's that's the other Benzinga Aaron here. Um, next Black Swan event is AB having a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I walked into the office today and I just started getting roasted by all these people. And I guess it continues. I guess today is just yo. Roasting. Oh my right, god! funny, Patrick. Anyway. Right. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I give it to you. That's funny. Um. Anyway, so okay, it, it's twelve thirteen. We're gonna have Renato on this show. Renato from uh, from Benzinga. He's one of our. Uh, he he's basically our our fintech editor, but um, I, unclear which he also trades. It's unclear which of these things is his main hustle and his side hustle. Is Benzinga his side hustle, or is trading his side hustle? We'll find out because he also uh, spends a lot of time training. He's got his own his own his own systems and his own models, and and he's comes to it from a um, a very intellectual uh, standpoint. So we're not, we're gonna have Renato on the show 
in a few minutes here to just walk us through whatever trades he's making and why. Hopefully, hopefully he can explain them to us. Uh, we're gonna have Christian Fromhurst on at one. He's one of my all-time favorites. Um, he's, he's a great trader. He's on Twitter at cfromhurst. Uh, and we'll have Tim Quas on the show at one forty-five today. Um, also, I do have a discount code for Tim Quas platform. I got a discount code from Market Structure Edge. I'm gonna sit on it. Oh, I'm gonna is, wait. Is it, wasn't Edwin supposed to come on this week? Uh, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. We're talking about which company with him again? Um, I thought it was a bigger name. I don't remember, but that that, that that's on tomorrow. Yeah. Um. So, by the way, guys, we got like a lot. Of, oh, we got a lot of new guests this week. Um. Anyone ever heard of uh Insider Weekends? It's a weekly. There's basically this guy Asif Surya. He's been doing publishing. Every single week, he publishes a list of all the biggest insider buys and sells in the stock market for that week. And he like comments. He's been doing it every week for like eight years. I think or like oh, ten yeah. years. And he's he's coming on the show tomorrow. Uh, to talk can we about. Ask him about Asana. We can ask him about Asana. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also Spencer before. Wait, when's Ronaldo coming on? Fifteen minutes. Uh, twelve thirty. Yeah. Can we check in on our twenty twenty two stocks of the year? Because last time we sure. did, I was in dead last. And you had, maybe I was second to last. You had solar. You had Sunrun. I had Sunrun. Where am I at now? You, my friend, are in. Is this? Can you share it on the screen so we can all see? Yeah, can I can. Why? Why one? Yeah. All right. Well, it is. Ref- all right. Fine. I'll refresh it. I think you're near the top. I went from being dead last. So this is this is this is a lesson in uh, buy and hold. Well, we we talked about this yesterday, Spencer with Warren Buffett. You know, you said his tolerance, yeah, to just get beat up and stay in the market, uh, stay true to his conviction, is really what's allowed him over his years to be such a, a prolific investor. Um, I this I. Wow. I picked Sunrun at the beginning of the year. At okay. one point, it was down like 60%. If that was a real position, I probably would have sold some, but the, now it's up. The, this was a contest that we ran in, in January. We asked if, if you're, whoever was watching our show that day could enter uh, um, you know, the contest and pick their stock of the year. So we only had about 20, what, 24 people enter. And uh, Aaron Bree is seventh, sixth, excuse me. Um, Aaron J, whoever Aaron J is, I don't know who that is, picked Valet. Is absolutely destroying the field right now, like crushing it. Aaron J. If these results hold, you're gonna get a prize at the, at the end of the year. Big if on that, but wow, everyone else's picks suck, including mine. I picked freaking MSOS. Cannabis. That was a dumb thing to do. I mean, yeah, valet. A little. Not gonna say lucky because we didn't know the war was gonna have happen and energy was going to. Uh... I don't know if Aaron J is watching us right now, but Aaron J, you are in amazing. You're in pole position by like a mile. So good for you. <laughs> it, it, it is remarkable how congested the rotation is. Uh, I, I, I just can't get that out of my head. I, I, I'm just very surprised that there are, and I see you guys in the chat. I'll pull up the, 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 the spy right now. Um, it is just remarkable how, if you're not in energy commodities and to some extent defense stocks or even solar, you're not having it. It's, it's a rough year. Yeah. Wow. New high of the day right there. Oh, wow. Okay. So we just broke above 
This is very important. Okay, we always talk about on pre-market prep, the pre-market high and the pre-market low as being very important levels to either hold or break through or support and resistance, right? Well, today's pre-market high, you can see it clear as day in the SPY, 423. We just blew through that, blew through it. This is an incredible move. I mean, I've this, got, is, this is I, wicked. I, I this don't, is, I don't this see wicked. a specific headline. I, I do think, uh, I mean, we were talking about Chevron earlier. I mean, look, at, I mean, Chevron's been dumping off everything else. It's, it's like the everything that money's been flowing into is now flowing out and back into um, what's been beaten down. This is wicked. But, and, and, um, wait, wait, how are the cues? I bet you they're lagging a little bit. No. Yeah, well, because, oh, no, no. Wow, no, 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 no. everything the market is heats just... up, it's always growth going fastest. Yeah. Wow. Not always. Oh, my gosh. Also, yeah, Christian uh, Gallagher Asana does report, um, I believe, tomorrow. And this, I'm, I'm interested because I don't know if anyone in public markets history has ever, or any CEO has bought this much stock in a quarter leading up to an earnings report. So for, for Dustin Moskovitz's sake, it better be good. <laughs> Um, if they're not good, a I Andy guarantee y, he'll add some more shares. Andy Y, this is not this is not new news. That was out there earlier. So, well, yeah, I read off uh, yesterday, right before we went on the show, the the demands that the Kremlin made. Yeah, it's ridiculous. To the demands were to uh, NATO. Yeah, if they're gonna let NATO, if they're gonna let Ukraine in. Oh, I was talking about the demands to Ukraine. Oh yeah, they're also ridiculous. Was saying. Don't join NATO, Crimea, officially yeah. part of Russia. I thought they seemed reasonable. I thought if I was Zelensky, <laughs> I'd sign it. Easy. Uh, Christian Galhar, I do still hold some shares of Asana. I'm not in any like options trades right now. Jesus, Murphy. Uh, but so I also trimmed my position when it ran all the way up to like 65. Uh, Zen Bullish, Sandy Monroe. We we did a RAS report with him um, about six months ago. I'll, I'll send you the link, or I'll post the link in the chat. I think it was about a year ago now. No. Um, no. <laughs> It couldn't have been. Six months ago was like September, dude. It was last summer. I what, didn't move up here until... Dude, that, was two, that was two years ago. What? When you moved up here. What are you talking about? I moved up here. I haven't been here for a year. <laughs> what? I moved up here last, like end of last May. Whatever. Anyway, I'll find it. utilities, healthcare, and staples are in the red. Everything else. Rip City. City of Rips, ARK. Look at ARKK. Oh my gosh. Okay, it was eight months ago. So I was closer with six months. You were 12. Whatever. <laughs> Yo, do, right, close your eyes and buy. I don't, doesn't matter what. Let's just start buying. Let's just start indiscriminately buying things. This market is, I don't even know how you handle this. I oh, really yeah. don't. Yeah, Jay Rice is also saying banks are green, are green for the first Everything time. Everything is green except for utilities. Ooh, look at Blackstone. Staples and healthcare. I didn't realize Blackstone got all the way down to 110. This is interesting here. They've got a pretty uh pretty decent dividend, low PE. Wait, I, I don't even know what this this means. Is Oh, wait. Is is is, is CEI going is MULN is it, what is that like Mulan? Is that like a different dude? There's so many a different company. Mullen Automotive. I don't know. I don't know. We have no. Wait, is there some sort of M and A rumor here between the two of them? I have no idea. Wait, I'm sorry. There was a comment that I want. I saw that I wanted to. Uh, ba -ba -ba. 
Yeah, obviously, I'm not trying to like get ahead of ourselves here. But I like in terms of just chasing everything. But this is pretty remarkable, guys. I mean, it's this. If you're an if you're like an active trader or hedge fund manager or something, I mean, go luck trading this market. Honestly, I don't even know how you. Every day, there's three or four reverse, like strong reversals every day. What were we down earlier? More, we were down more than one percent, right? We weren't quite down two percent. I don't think. Yeah, but, but if, you, if you're if you're a trader, like quick in and out, it's been a fun market. If you're just a buy and hold investor, it's been stressful. I mean, that's why if you are a, a buy and hold investor, like what um, uh, Spencer was, was talking about yesterday, you don't have to look at it every day. No, yeah. I mean, it's I I I don't think I agree that you should never look at it. I think you should look at it. Wait, like, you don't. Need I to check it. I I so I'm reading this book, Psychology of Money. Right. Oh, no, I'm Spencer. I read books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I read books, <laughs> and uh, sometimes, and there's an amazing stat in there, and I, I, I don't have, um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was talking about Warren Buffett, and really like the the thing that Warren Buffett has his biggest advantage has just been time because he's been investing since he was ten years old, and he's ninety right now, so he's been investing for eighty years, um, but his his actual returns over time while very good are by no means the best ever uh if you look at just his annualized returns so the author of this book looked at what happens if you take the best investor in terms of returns which is jim simons right from renaissance if you took jim simons combine his annual returns with warren buffett's time horizon 80 years or whatever and what do you get and you basically get a number it's like it was like it's like five quintillion quadrillion it was ridiculous like a number that i'd never even heard of before it's ridiculous but anyway what is, um, is is in this book psychology money does he talk a lot about warren buffett uh no it's okay. not it's not about warren buffett okay. it's it, no it's just there a, was another i was reading an excerpt from a book about warren buffett that yeah. was talking about his like pinball yeah. uh like that's how his first like business venture was or, putting was pinball machines in like barber shops smart smart guy and then going to collect uh, they would like do the repairs on the machines themselves, like when he was like 13. And by the by the end of two years, he had like a hundred different stores with pinball machines in it. And was going to collect. Wow, this is remarkable. Thank you, Robert, I gotta, for bringing uh, this up. Look at this canopy growth. Everything, everything so, is ripping. Someone, someone, uh, Jim Simon. Someone was telling me to either like watch a movie or listen to a podcast about him. Yeah, and what about him? I forget. As someone was he like, he very famously. Like does doesn't pay attention to like the day to day moves of the market. Like he was asked, like this was years ago. He was asked about like um, because because it, it's all it's all computers, right? It's all algos. Like he built the algos, or his team built the algos, and he was asked to give like a favorite stock or whatever, and the stock that he picked wasn't even trading anymore. No way. Yeah, he didn't even know because it's all it's all computers, right? Yeah. So. I I don't know. Someone recommended me at one point, like, oh, you gotta like watch this YouTube video about it. So if anyone knows what video I'm talking about, well, there's a there's a book. Speaking of books, there's a book about this called The Man Who Solved the Markets, which I haven't read yet, but okay. it's it's about Renaissance. I just got a library card, so hey, library card for Aaron. It is pretty remarkable here. I, I'm just keeping an eye on things, and everything is ripping 
crappy, non-crappy, doesn't matter? Well, uh, I would say, Spencer, that the caveat to that, to everything is ripping, is look at what's been strong um, over the past uh, couple weeks. I mean, look at Lockheed Martin, absolutely dumping off. Look at Chevron. Uh, let's see. Let's pull up. I only have one screen at a time. I got one screen here. So, so while, spy, while Spy, Dow, yeah. everything's going up, Lockheed's going down. So, Chevron's going and, down. And look, and look at solar. We said solar's been pretty good. Not amazing, but pretty good this year, right? Solar's, you know, nice red candle there on tan. So XLE, solar, Lockheed Martin. This is see, this is at least good to know. At least we have a very clear relationship that we can trade off of. Remember when COVID was uh was just uh peaking? You had a very clear relationship. You had stay-at-home stocks, you had reopening stocks. And it was always one or the other, but never both, right? hundred percent. This is the same thing. It's the cyclical nature of the market. Exactly. So stay at home reopening is that that's gone. Ooh. That's gone now. There, there's no there's no more relationship there. But we have a very clear relationship now between energy and throw defense in with that, and then everything else. I inversely correlated. I, I mean, Spencer, I think this. I, I might add. I to, might I might to, buy some Apple right now. Uh, it's worth noting that the Apple event is in a half hour. Oh, we, God. We, we, we will not be streaming that. Because <laughs> I, I the last time we did, we got in big trouble from YouTube. Oh, yeah. We almost got like shadow banned. <laughs> so. uh, I, I think that I'd be surprised if they announced anything that is... No, we already, we already know. They're, they're going to announce a, a 5G-enabled iPhone SE, maybe a new iPad. and like it's, you know. What does that mean, a 5G-enabled? My, my phone says that it's 5G, but I don't think I really get 5G. I don't... So I also have a 5G phone in quotes, but I don't have a 5G plan. Huh? Oh, Aaron. Other Aaron is saying they're going to uh, announce new chips. I thought we already had M2 chips. No, still the M1s. What is what is Rohan having his computer? Oh, uh, M1 Max. M1. Okay, they're going to announce M2 chips, supposedly. Says our IT person slash producer. All right. Anyway. I don't know. I mean, I just think like Apple at 160 is a bargain. That's what I was trying to say this morning. Apple is not expensive. Not okay? at all. Like Dennis is trying to tell me Apple is expensive because it's it's more expensive today on a valuation basis than it than it has been really ever. But what do you mean? Like its PE is higher today than it has been. How is that possible? Well, because they're price even though the price is off its highs but i'm saying when apple was like 180 a share a couple months ago wouldn't the pe be i mean i don't know i don't think i've ever looked at a chart that shows the pe but i would just find that hard to believe that the p is right. lower I, I'm or gonna, higher now i'm gonna pull up a, a chart so it's apple's pe is <laughs> blizzy blizzy bone apple gonna be the first trillion 10 trillion dollar company i mean yeah if we got a bet right. on you're right apple's pe it was higher at the end of 2020 so, and anyway, my I'm right though. Apple, right, I'm saying Dennis was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Apple is not expensive on a relative basis, especially when you stack it up against the overall market or a lot of the other crap, and even not crap. Like I love, I, I like, I like Shopify. I don't own it, but I would like to. Shopify is still extremely expensive. Apple, PE of twenty five or something like that, twenty seven. That's freaking. Well, borderline value at this point. And and here's what we, well, I, you can argue that Apple's 
very pretty much a value stock at this point. But what I was going to say is, I mean, we, we I think it's important to understand how PE and how price to sales and all these play in. But at the end of the day, uh, Apple having a 30 PE or even if it was a 40 or 50 PE, that doesn't necessarily make it expensive, right? We've talked about this with Tim Quas that it's true. the market is dependent on what someone's willing to pay for a given name. So if someone's willing to buy Apple it's at true. 175, if the PE is 45, or if more people are willing to buy Apple at that price than sell it, then it's not expensive. It's by definition not expensive. I think it, I think those metrics, PE, price of sales, I think it plays into what price someone is willing to pay for a stock. But at the end of the day, what determines the stock? Okay, price. so I understand that. Yes. Okay. So there there is multiple expansion. Okay, and that's what happened. That's basically just a fancy phrase for the market ascribing a higher value for something than it used to ascribe to that same thing. So in Apple's case, there's clear multiple expansion. It, it's 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 pri it's priced earnings. If you just look at it historically, it has been steadily rising. It's not at an all-time high, but it, it's near it. Okay. So but that's okay. Multiple expansion doesn't have to mean that something is is automatically overvalued. And maybe Renato can comment on this as well because I see him backstage. We're about to bring him on here. But uh, multiple expansion doesn't automatically mean overvalued. It just it could just mean the market deciding that this is suddenly worth more money, and that's okay. I will say uh, just real quick. I, I didn't know. I get, Apple's price of sales is actually above, or it's right at seven. Uh, for reference, Amazon's uh, is seven single digit. Well, right, seven's seven high, but seven, Amazon's is three. So as far as seven, like, seven's Am high. Apple is trading at a higher premium than Amazon. But yeah. my point mainly was just that. If all you're doing is looking at the PE, say that's too expensive for me, you would have missed out on a lot of, of great stocks, whether it's Amazon, Apple, a lot of these stocks trade at a high PE because people are willing to pay a higher premium for those names. Yeah. Um, but all right. I, I wonder if Renato has thoughts on all this. Renato, Renato, Renato. Guys, Renato has a daily newsletter called The FinTech Focus. If you guys are not subscribed to it, you should because it has all the top headlines in uh, – in fintech. Yeah. So the first question I want to ask Renato is, Renato, uh, what is your side hustle? Is Benzinga your side hustle or is trading your side hustle? Which is it? And Raz isn't here. So J Jason's not watching. Don't Jason's worry. Jason's not watching. <laughs> I, I trade full time. And, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, so Benzinga is a side hustle. That, that, that answers that. Yeah. The transition kind of happened, I think, uh, after the pandemic sometime. Uh, it was, a, I think it was a few months. Into, no, it was like the summer of 2020. Renato's trying to train me so I can take off some of the Benzinga duties off his hands so he can focus more on his on his real job. I, I, his real job, which is trading. Renato, do you have thoughts on, on do, I mean, do you look at valuation? Do you look at uh, um, uh, ratios like that or not really? Uh, not really. Not really. Okay. I don't think I'm too qualified to speak on that. Uh, I, okay. I more so look at kind of like the broader picture and um, – you know, certain metrics up, you know, kind of at the index levels, uh, but not really in terms of like the single stocks and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So, what have you been trading uh, recently? Honestly, it's been tough. Last year was a really good year. This yeah. year has just been difficult. Um, I mainly trade uh, in the indexes and a lot of the uh, bigger stocks like the Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Tesla, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just been a lot more difficult. My my kind of my range is like three to five days where I'll hold positions. Uh, and then, you know, when, when you get this volatile, you have to kind of uh, shorten your 
duration and kind of focus on more of like the intraday, right? And uh, there's been quite a shift. Uh, it's uh, it hasn't been too difficult, but it's it's just you know it's it's not really where I like to focus. I like to focus more on that kind of like swing. That's where uh, uh, I try to find you know specific levels in the market, and I try to structure some sort of spreads where you know I can try to play for some sort of expansion towards those levels or against you know stuff like that. Do you want to share your charts for us and, to, and walk us through any recent yeah. trades you had? I, I would be curious to see how you've approached this because, as we were just saying, I mean, we've we've, we've reversed hard in the last half hour here. And it's I, I would imagine if you're someone trading intraday, it's very difficult. I, of course, am not. But. Uh, what can you see? Okay, I, I see. I see everything. Wait, take that off. If we, if you, is your account number up there? I don't want you. No. Is it? No, I, I think I've locked everything out. All right, cool. Um, cool. All right. So I've got a couple thoughts um, in terms of kind of like the broader market. I mean, if you if you kind of look at why are we trading weak, right? Well, if you look at the single stocks, I mean, they've been coming down for over a year. Like if you look at like ARC and some of the things in, in ARC, right, that's been kind of like falling since, you know, last February, right, or something like that, right? And so we've kind of had like this D-rate, uh, in the single stocks for you know quite some time whereas the indexes are still kind of at their highest right as well as some of the bigger constituents right and so um there's kind of a divergence right there and the question is whether or not that will ever close uh there's certain factors that are probably leading to that and uh whether that you know uh you know i'm i'm certainly not the smartest person in the world when it comes to everything but um you know, there's there's some some of the uh, options market aspects that play into why that is and, and so on. Right. Uh, but when I'm when I'm kind of like zooming out and I'm trying to develop like a trade idea or a thesis or whatever, I'm looking at like, OK, what are the um, what are the odds that something is going to happen? Right. So, uh, like I said, I focus mainly on, you know, like the indexes and the bigger stocks and I look at you know, key levels and things like that. And then I try to take notice of certain events that might be going on. So like next week we have a monthly options exploration uh, into that. It's true. And, it's true. Yeah. And into that, uh, usually the um, uh, it's, you're pretty weak heading into he heading into those. That wasn't always the case, but um, uh, there's, there's certain reasons why that is, whether that be front running and stuff like that, uh, this post off, off explodes and stuff like that. But uh, having that in mind, I'm kind of looking at a lot of other things like, like look at where the VIX is at, right? And the VIX you can kind of look at as, or think of it as like uh, the equity market's pricing of risk, right? Whereas if you look at, you know, in other markets, like, do you know, move, uh, you know, that's kind of for the bond market, right? Right. Whereas, you know, the pricing of risk in some of these other markets is, you know, divergent, like, you know, you look at Europe, right? And so my idea is, it's like you have cross-asset volatility going insane. Um, you have some of the other markets abroad, right, that are trading relatively weak. I know that historically, you know, some of these uh, uh, opexes, right, you, you tend to have some weakness heading into that, right? So with that in mind, I start heading to the charts and I'm like, okay, what are some key levels that I can look at and start maybe structuring a trade, right? 
Um, we've been trading weak. Uh, this is something that I had in the morning and I was kind of looking at, I'm like, okay, we have this balance area where we just kind of consolidated for a week or so. Uh, we, we tried to break out of the balance up, uh, up here, but we failed. So we rotated to the other end of balance and then we finally broke through. Uh, and then this was a key target, like this VPOC right here. It's just un some untested value. I, I like to, you know, look at the profile and stuff like that. And then we have this overnight low. I think we take the overnight low eventually. And uh, these rips are to be sold. Like uh, I use a lot of uh, volume weighted average prices and I anchor them at certain points uh, in time. And so the idea is that there's uh, liquidity algorithms that are kind of at those levels and uh, that'll act, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of times where I think PPQ is a good example, but you can see where uh, a lot of times you'll come right into those levels and you'll bounce, right? And the idea is that that is like the uh, the average price over that time frame where you know participants have bought and sold, right? And so uh, there's probably going to be some sort of response there. So I'm looking at those key levels and I'm immediately thinking, okay, what can I start structuring, right? So on uh, like let's say in the S and P. Uh, you know, I'm kind of looking down and I'm like, okay, where, where can we go? Right. So if I go into the spy, um, right. So I'm immediately thinking, I'm like, okay, we have some, some of these key levels down here and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like we might have a little bit of weakness. Um, you know, you're, you see this insane volatility in other markets. If, if that were to come down there, right. What can I structure? Maybe that's low cost. Well, right now there's a lot of skew, right. Uh, and so you can potentially structure things where you're buying options in front, you're selling options further away, and the options that you're selling further away, you can collect uh, a lot more premium uh, uh, in them as opposed to in normal times when there's not quite a bit of volatility, right? And so things you can do is maybe structure butterflies and stuff like that, um, uh, where you're maybe buying the closer strike, you're selling um uh, more further down and then you're capping your risk maybe further down ratio spreads is another one but that's uh carries a little bit more risk and were we to kind of explode lower you there's you know there, you run the risk of you know the, the options that you're short and you're short more of uh potentially go exponential right and, and go against you right so uh there's there's kind of a balance right you need to kind of have your time frames right uh, as well as kind of the widths, right? But that's kind of how I'm thinking. Um, does that kind of uh, make sense to start? Yeah, I, I mean, to some to some extent. But can you be a little bit more, yeah, more more practical with it? I mean, can you walk us through something that that you've done? Sure. Uh, things. Okay, so I'll give you a trade that isn't working right now. Um, right up here. So I told you we broke out of this balance area right here, right? Uh, and so my idea was like we were we were pegged on this level, right? So what happened was is I see, you know, where is the potential we could go, probably go towards the 4,500 or whatever. What I had was uh, uh, ratio spreads and butterflies structured above these prices, right? Where I did pay out a little bit of a debit, right? But the idea was to uh, put that on for as low cost as possible. And it's almost like a lottery ticket because, uh, you know, if we do move higher into those strikes, you know, there's the, you can play that expansion. Obviously that didn't quite work. Uh, and so I'm, I believe I'm still sitting, I, I started closing out the ratios cause there was no point in having that um, margin out there for no reason or whatever, but I was structured all the way up here. And so the idea is, you know, you can put these on for really low cost and then 
you know, uh, take it off for 200, 300, 400%, right? And uh, uh, play the expansion that way. That's one thing that's not working. I'm, a couple other things I'm looking at are um, uh, Tesla. I was looking at Tesla in certain levels. Maybe I could play in Tesla. So if, if Tesla was to go up, uh, where could it go? But right here. So I'm looking at like these key levels, right? And I'm like, okay, what could I structure against those levels, right? So maybe a butterfly right up here. Um, something I did for a while while we were, uh, you know, trading week was I was doing a lot of uh, trading in, in some of the bigger stocks like booking. And what I was doing was ratio spreads where I would um, sell, I would sell a, uh, uh, I would buy a put that's closer to the money. I'd sell more further out and I'd collect a couple dollars in credit. Right. Uh, so if I look back, <sighs> do you, do you find yourself like using spreads in certain situations and not others? And if so, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you know, when are those situations? Yeah. So you have to be careful, right? So right now I'm very much kind of, uh, reducing the amount of risk. What I like to do is I like to do things kind of unbounded, right? Where, um, where I'm not paying for that extra uh, protected call or put that's way far in the money, right? So that means I, I have uh, uh, an extra short option, right? But there's a long option kind of in front of it. And the, the whole thing is, is if volatility blows out, well, that's, you know, something that, that can hurt you really badly, right? So in times such as this, where let's say I want to express, uh, express a, like a bullish thesis right now on the indexes or whatever, like, you know, right over here, I was doing right in here, but I was too early again, right? Uh, I was basically, instead of doing ratio spreads, um, I opted to do uh, things like at the money uh, call credits or uh, not call put credit spreads. And I use that to kind of finance um, out of the money uh, call debit spreads, right? Uh, but obviously you have, there's a lot more debit risk there. And so you have to be a little bit more right on direction as opposed to if I did something like a ratio spread on the call side, right, uh, you're not as worried uh, more so as long as you have kind of your timing right. You're not you're not as worried about, um, you know, you getting that uh, move immediately, right, because you kind of want the uh, the options that you're short. You want to give them time to kind of drain out while the option that you're closer, uh, that, uh, that you're long, that's closer to the money uh, is holding value a little bit more. And so when you finally do get the move, then you get that uh, expansion or whatever. But that's kind of what I've been playing. I've been trying to play the edges more so. Um, I've, uh, you know, on an average day last year, maybe I was putting, you know, up to 10 trades, right? Uh, and putting things on, taking them off. Now it's a climb. It's a different market environment. I'm over to one to two, right? Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just trying to stay safe, right? Uh, and, and not kind of blow up. Right? So you're 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 reducing your number of trades. You're reducing your time horizon, and you're reducing your size, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. I try to kind of hone in and focus on uh, you know things that or stocks where I, I kind of have a feel for how things trade uh, and where I know my key levels. Right? There's a lot of stocks out there, but I just don't have time to kind of look at all of them. Right? So I I try to know the ones that I'm focusing on. Um, you know, so like Tesla, uh, Amazon, you know, here's like one thing I'm looking at um, in Amazon, right? Amazon, I would actually be interested in owning stock, right? But um, kind of at lower prices. So uh, let me show you. 
Um, right down here. So I have a key level right down here at like 2483, 2500, let's say, right? When we come to that level, I have no guarantee that we're just going to turn right there. I mean, it could just come down there, chop for a while. But how can I do something where I can kind of uh, uh, sleep better at night, where I kind of give myself a little bit of a buffer? I was actually talking to Jason yesterday about this. Uh, but basically, uh, uh, you you buy stock, right? And then you can structure one of these spreads on there, uh, like a ratio spread. So here's here's just the ratio spread without the stock. And... I, I added a short call, so you know you can kind of for, you can forget about this section. But this is this is like the ratio spread, and so the idea is you're long here, you're short here, uh, twice, and so if you move towards it, you know you have a potential to make money. But what you can do is you can use that to hedge a stock position, right? So if you just bought stock right now, your your profile is linear, right? Obviously the stock has moved, and uh, but this was earlier when I was pricing this out. But you know as you go down, you're like losing one for one, whereas if you apply something like this, all of a sudden you can give yourself like a $150 buffer down here, right? And so when you're looking at something like Amazon, right? Imagine having, you know, yourself like a $150 buffer here for like maybe one to two weeks, let let the, you know, shakeout happen or whatever. And then you can potentially participate in a little bit of upside, right? Because, you know, uh, it's, let's see right here, you know, you, you still have uh, a positive Delta exposure, right? Renato, uh, how long have you been trading in a curiosity? Four years, uh, five years? You know, this is this has been about uh, five plus years. Um, I started just by trying to kind of learn myself. But as you know, um, you, you, I mean, it's difficult. You don't know what's out there. You don't really. Yeah, you, don't, you, you, don't, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what you know. And then through time, I met people. I, I uh, got a little bit of mentorship here and there and, and, and saved enough money. I think capital is a. Uh, is another thing people really uh, don't talk too much about. You, you need capital to do this, especially full time, right? You can't just, it's difficult to just come in with, you know, a thousand dollars and, you know, try to kind of, you know, blow that up, uh, you know, thousands of percent, right? You know, if you come in with maybe a sizable amount of capital, you know, 25,000, 50,000 or whatever, yeah. and, and you try to generate hundred percent returns. Like that's, that's more realistic and that's more. What's the easiest way to make a quick 25,000 to start investing? Yeah, we're not. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I just save, save, save money. I, I worked in high school. I worked in college. Made coffee at home. <laughs> you did not buy avocado. You did not buy avocado toast. I think is, is the answer. I, I did not. I, I don't go anywhere pretty much. I, I basically it's, it's, I have like three jobs. I, I do the trading full time. I do the Benzinga, uh, Benzinga work, and I also work with uh, um, uh, a guy that does a lot of options modeling. Where he'll take, he'll take like data uh, in, in in the options market. He'll make you know certain assumptions or whatever, um, you know how the customer's positioned and how the counterparty is going to react to that positioning. Um, so, uh, like let's say in the indexes, you know the the dominant position is you know the customer is trying to hedge underlying equity exposure. So what they're going to do is uh, they're going to buy put protection, right? But to lower the cost of that put protection, they're going to sell calls, right? And so uh, the dealer on the other side of that has a positive delta trade because if you're right. short- Right, so, so they have to hedge them, right. And you have to hedge that, right? But there's, there's actually, uh, you know, the hedging of that when things are normal, like when we're not in such environments as, as this, that can actually bolster sprints higher right which is kind of what we saw through 2020 and through 2021 
that's not the case anymore, right? And so a lot of that hedging right now is is pressure in the markets, right? Where, um, you know, if you have a lot of customers reaching for put protection, they're buying that, and and the counterparty on the other side of that is short that. The only way to hedge that really is by selling the underlying futures or stock, right. and that is where you can get that added pressure. And so the the idea is with that this coming up uh, monthly options expiration or whatever. The idea is is uh, you're going to have a lot of that risk removed, and uh, you're not going to have that the pressure from those hedges anymore, right? So there's going to be a covering of those hedges, and that might be able to bolster um, uh, that might open like a window um, where you know the market can kind kind of you know succumb to fundamental you know positive uh, developments or whatever that means. Like, All right, Renato Capelge is uh, a part-time Benzinga employee and a full-time trader, and he will join us joins periodically on the show. And he's way too smart for Aaron and I, but that's okay. Uh, we tolerate him anyway. Renato, always a pleasure, man. Stay safe. I, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Thank you so All much. All right. Um, I'm going to pull up a page, Aaron, that I've been to probably like once or twice in my life. We're going to have to start making this a, 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 a it's um, safe I'll, for work, right? Yes. I'm, okay. I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have to bookmark this page is what I'm saying. I'm going to have to bookmark this page and start checking it every day. Okay. You know what this is? Uh, gas buddy. Well, uh, sort of it, oh, yeah. it's, it's triple A it's triple a okay so so the national average right now is above four dollars yes okay yep four dollars and a little over 17 cents right um gonna have to start bookmarking this page gonna have to start going here every day and just just to get a gauge first off what's that what's up with michigan man what what's the point of being in the midwest if you don't get the perks of lower prices like everyone else in the midwest we have the most perks anywhere in the country i mean the coastal elites are, are the ones that are paying the most here, but we're in the shouldn't we get shouldn't we be in the blue? Is what I'm thinking. Well, look at Illinois. Well, that, that's because of Chicago, right? Right. So, um, uh, yeah, and I I don't know. I mean, I guess Spencer again. We I guess we both read some kind of conflicting research. I uh, read an article which I I'll find and pull up talking about how even if we get back to all time high gas prices. Uh, we looked at the chart yesterday, I believe, in, in 08, when it was four thirty. Well, here a the highest recorded average price, and this is this is adjusted for inflation. That's, oh, okay, that's what this is. So for today, today is an all time high. How 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 is it adjusted for inflation? How does that? I because I because I so what I think they're doing it's not it's not like an absolute basis. Uh, I don't think. I'm assuming this is this is real. Like this is inflation, inflation adjusted. I guess I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. I just assumed it was. I just if if everything. All right, so here I'm pulling up. Yeah, so in June 2008, we were also at four, a little bit over four bucks a gallon. Right. I don't know if it was four seventeen. But, but I'm saying no, it's four eleven. So uh, so it is higher now. But basically, what I was reading was that for four eleven for, for relative like yeah, okay. the way wages have increased, how much money is out there that it's not for for the average American. Four eleven and oh eight is higher than four seventeen today. Correct. Right. Okay. So maybe not adjusted for inflation. It, it's right. it's basically saying that it's it's still right now less at than at that time what would be 
um, that the portion of your expendable income coming out for gas. Man. Was the point that this person was making? They basically said uh, U.S. average prices would have to get to like five dollars for it to be the same amount of pain of that was in 08. I mean, but but think about it. I mean, in I mean, we're, we're definitely in a in a correction here, bear market, whatever you want to call it. But I don't think we throw the R word out there. Recession in 08, we definitely were in a recession, and gas prices were over four bucks a gallon. I mean, that was dude. 08 sucked. Yeah, I mean, 2008. I I, I it was so bad. Like I just re- like I I remember, was it that? Oh no, it was the following summer. It was two thousand nine. It was the summer between uh, between when I was in high school and in college, and I could not find a summer job in the summer of nine. Like scooping ice cream. Like yeah, couldn't do it. Really? There was nobody hiring. It was an, it was re- it was oh eight oh nine man. It was that sucked. It just sucked for a lot of people. Yeah. Um I yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't I was in those God, like awkward just, years of life. Probably wasn't great for me either. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is the AAA national average gas page. We're gonna have to bookmark this and, and bring this up now every day and see just how high can we go. Uh not great for um who who made who owns um like Jeep? Is that and Chrysler and and, and Hummer. Well Hummer owns Hummer, right? I think. Um, that's a good question. Well, I don't think Hummer produces uh, gas vehicles anymore. I think they're only producing the electric Hummer. Oh, all right. I could be wrong. It's not great. But also what I find interesting is, I mean, we hit like over 130 a barrel on, on oil, like crude oil prices. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it looks like it's kind of one of those sell the new, like we banned Russell imports. That was kind of expected to happen or at least somewhat priced in. EU announced it was planning on cutting its imports from Russia. Obviously, it doesn't have the capacity that we do. The EU does not to um, fully stop its imports from Russia. But, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a reason for for uh, oil trading down in the last... I mean, look at the... Uh, I guess I can share my screen. Because we don't have the actual crude oil in Benzinga Pro, correct? No, we, we don't have futures. So this is the... I don't even know. <laughs> is it future? It says just WTI, but this is on daily what, what, FX. What do you, yeah, that, that's that's futures. These are futures. I mean, look, these are yeah. 30 minute candles. Look at the last hour. Wait, what the heck is that? You're looking at CFDs? What the hell? No, no, this is, that's futures. That's 122. That's right. US oil. Yeah, right. Simple search. Um, but yeah, basically, my point was look at these like two big red candles the past two, uh, these are 30 minute candles. It's past hour. Yeah. Wait, did someone just say wheat went limit down? No, can you pull up wheat up there on daily FX? Since you're holy crap, after limit up yesterday, limit down today, dude. How do you even wheat? How do you even trade this stuff? I I've never traded futures before. No, here, forget it. I'll just do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to use this. Here, let's just this isn't Benzinga. Let's just do the ETF. I I, 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 I know it may not be right. I'll bring in the ETF. I know it's not right. The ETF is going to be not necessarily this correlated to the price of wheat. But it's, wow, holy crap! Um, holy, that's that's unbelievable. So wheat, wheat's still going to trade, but the reason it's not necessarily going to be um, moving in a lockstep with with the actual commodity. Well, first off, as we just said, wheat is lock limit down, so wheat's done for the day. But also. The wheat ETF. And actually, we're going to have, this is a good plug for tomorrow's show. We're going to have the CEO of Tucrium 
is it tomorrow's show or is it no it might be thursday it might be thursday's show all right i gotta I it's gotta, thursday show we're gonna have sal sal Gilber, uh, gilberti he's the ceo of tucrium that's the firm behind the wheat etf and others they have wheat they have corn they have soybeans and that's going to be on thursday's show so we're going to talk to sal about about what the heck is going on from his point of view in terms of having products that offer access to commodities and what happens when you have to do things like Tucrium did yesterday where they halted creations. They're no longer creating new shares of the wheat ETF. It just creates some crazy shit, basically. Um, and so we're going to talk to Sal about that on Thursday. But... I'm trying to keep an eye on the chat. I'm trying to keep an eye on my watch list. I do want to look at crypto before we bring on um, Christian Fraunhertz here. I had my heat map pulled up. Can I, can you play me my, my my little bumper while I let's get, do get it. my crypto heat map up here? Crypto, crypto. Oh, that was weird. Did you end that? I might have accidentally clicked it. That's surprising. Anyway, I, I got to admit, uh, Christian Gallagher, I'm agreeing with you. I saw your comments from earlier in the chat. I, I also am struggling to come to terms with why Bitcoin really has not been a better performer of late. Um, I really thought that it would thrive. And I understand that we are in a, a broadly speaking, we are in a risk-off environment Bitcoin is a risk on asset. It's a growth asset. But in a lot of what's happening over in Russia, I really would have would have thought that. And frankly, it's a lot of global currencies. I mean, basically everything except the dollar, US dollar, right? Um, well, here, are, here's why, and I, I know we've talked a lot about kind of the correlation between Bitcoin and the markets and, you know, which is pushing which. Is it, you know, correlation or causation? Bottom line is we, we've seen now the the fallout of two huge global events yeah right pandemic to the war that theoretically should be very bullish for bitcoin um you know what would be the a bullish catalyst for bitcoin well no i don't know don't know what you're gonna say is if pal or the fed comes out and says oh yeah we're not gonna raise rates for another two the bitcoin be up five ten percent well they're not gonna say that well i know so. they're not but i'm saying they Bitcoin would be up if they were pushing interest rates. Also, there was no news out. I know there's supposed to be some announcement from the White House about uh, some Bitcoin regulation, but I'm just confirming that I didn't miss it, right? I didn't see anything yet. I, I want to make sure because a, a lot of times when we're on this show, we only I only have my one screen in front of me right now, so I, I, I can miss news during the course of this show because I'm talking to you and only looking at one screen at a time. So I, I'm if there was news, I missed it. But there was supposed to be a headline today out of the White House about some crypto regulation, whatever that means. This is a hard circle to square, a hard square to circle, really. The the underperformance in Bitcoin in the last few months. It's very it's been very disappointing. And I own Bitcoin. Aaron owns Bitcoin. I also own Ethereum. I own Solana. I actually um, don't own any Bitcoin. Right you don't own Bitcoin? No. I thought you did. I did. I sold it. When? Uh, maybe a week ago. He didn't tell us. Sneaky. <laughs> he's sneaky, the, the Aaron. He sneaks he sneaks around. He's very, very sneaky. Um 
Oh, maybe, you said maybe a week ago, as if that wasn't the high right there. Oh, I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> 40, what was the other thing you said? My my timing was impeccable. Forty four thousand. Ridiculous. Know, whatever it was. It's very very sneaky. Um, I sold uh March second, so a week from tomorrow at forty three. Forty three. What though? Forty. I gotta know 43, this. Forty three. Four eighty four. <laughs> and the high was forty four. Forty four forty. Yeah, so I was about five hundred. Oh my myself. gosh! Ridiculous. <laughs> you should buy it back now, man. I should. But you should buy it back now. I have a recurring investment set up on for Ethereum on my Robinhood, where just ten bucks every single week goes into Ethereum. Um, and should, I think I'm, I think I'm I'm that's sufficient for my crypto investment, dude. Right but now. technically speaking, this Bitcoin chart doesn't look that bad, right? You, no, you, it looks you just good. you just trade that range, right? Uh, hey, if you want free Bitcoin, it's very easy to get. All you have to do is download the Voyager app. Create an account. Use the offer code that's on the screen, Z-I-N-G, Zing. That's your sign-up code. Fund your account with 100 bucks. Make a trade, any trade, and they will send you 50 US dollars worth of Bitcoin. And you maybe want to do that now before we top out again at 44000 Just a just, just a guess. Not investment advice. Let's bring on Chris from FromHertz, uh, at CFromHertz on Twitter, Tribeca Trade Group. Um, he's going to join us today, but only audio, no video for Christian today. I'm going to bring him on right now. Christian, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? We're, we're, the market r- roughed you up enough to the point where you, you, you don't want to, you, you can't, the hair is too messy. Is that it? That, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, one yeah, of the, it's like, the, it's, it's another quiet day in the markets, right? I mean, oh, it's so nothing, quiet. It's so nothing quiet. going on at all. Yawn, nothing going on. Yes. Uh, days like this, my hair just gets out of control. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm on my laptop today. And um, otherwise, oh. the, the more systems I use, the, the, uh, the worse yeah, it gets. Very, <laughs> very difficult to, to do things on your laptop. I'm on my laptop right now. And it's incredibly difficult to keep up with stuff. The multitasking on less, and I, I actually have a couple, um, I have a couple laptops working. That's the best way I do it from home is oh. to have a couple different machines. Um, so this way you can kind of juggle the applications, but just as you were mentioning, yeah, you really have to multitask as you're, on, you know, as you're live, you, you know, <laughs> you've got limited real estate. You need uh, more yeah. screens. You need more screens. I know. Producer <laughs> Rohan, can I get some more screens up here, please? Especially, um, especially right now what's going on in the market. You need to to be watching wheat you need to be watching you know any type of commodity right I, now nickel, so, copper. Nickel, oh, we, didn't, right. we didn't even talk about nickel yet today oh and copper hit all-time highs too oh my gosh what even christian so there's, like there's a lot of google searches right now for nickelback no one knows what's going on it's crazy you know it, but isn't is nickelback back they're getting asked, from the moving nickel absolutely sure i asked aaron thomas if he'd go see a nickelback concert with me he said no <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, I think, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there's, there hasn't been that kind of focus, right, on commodities. So you do need to be kind of having a separate screen yeah. out to see what, all, you know, what some of these moves are. Clearly, you can't play all of them with the way that, you know, the volatility that's going on in these. Do you? Do you yeah. Christian play commodities typically? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I've been kind of concentrating more the last really? couple of weeks because just, you know, the, the equity momentum is just not there, but I'll move to whatever is moving. So if, you know, what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks and I had thought going into the year and I, I can share my screen, I can do that, right? 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me let me do that. But I had thought going going into this year that um, that gold was going to be was was going to be a nice play, um, and that's kind of turning out um, pretty well. Although today I am a seller into the strength, uh, you know, and that's the other thing to kind of realize, right? I mean, when you see some of these moves, like gold doesn't normally move three percent a day, so it was up three percent, and like you know, I would I've um, I have one account that's more for like medium term, long term swing trading. And I've put on a couple gold positions there, both in the gold miners and in GLD itself. And um, that I kind of leave on. But then I'm also like I've more of like a tactical account where I've been long. Uh, I got long the junior gold miners on Friday. And like I took, you know, I took the trade, the trades off today in that because just with, just like anything with the, in this market right now, I, just being super greedy hasn't really worked. So when I see these things flying as much as they did, you know, and it's important to kind of plan out your trades. Silver Wheaton or Wheaton Precious Metals is another one too, where, you know, I got my upside target and it's tough to say as fast as these things are moving to be like, hey, I'm going to sell into into this strength. But, you know, this is now only up, uh, you know, basically less than 1% at this point. So it just kind of goes to show you, here's my, here's my upside target. Um, but, um, you know, you have to be, in, in my opinion, you have to be a seller into some of the strength because like, as we're seeing, there was just a headline, uh, you know, about a half hour, hour ago about, you know, whether or not um, Ukraine is like, wants to make some kind of, I don't, I don't want to say concession. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but now they're talking, there was just a headline with an ABC news story out overnight talking about how they may not want to be, they're okay with not going into NATO, you know? And again, this yes. is, you, you don't know how, like how much to kind of take that story and run with it, but automatically you're seeing, you see energy stocks go down and you see the precious metals go down. So you, you know, you, you cannot be complacent in this market and you, you cannot not take targets. Um, I always try to leave like the last portion of the trade on for, for a runner, but oh, yeah. um, you know, it, it really depends on, on how you've planned out your trade from the beginning. And, you know, if you're looking to get into some of these things and I get it, there's FOMO in some of these things that have just run like crazy in the commodity area of the market, but try to plan out your trade. Like, instead of just like, Oh geez, I missed it. And I got to get in it. Like think about, okay, if you're going to chase some of these things up this much, where's your exit point? Because it's got to be something, oh, I got to buy it, you know, because of FOMO, right? It's got to be something other than that. So it's very important. Something to also think about is there can oftentimes be a, a, a there's a difference between what, uh, what the macro picture is and the market's performance. So a lot of times like the market will get ahead, like sure. we'll get over, over enthusiastic and we'll get even get ahead of the macro picture where and even if the macro picture even if nothing has changed even if there is still a massive global uh shortage of oil and russian oil is off the table even if that remains the case as uh you know as we're seeing here in the last few minutes oil can certainly rip down in your face Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's so much in terms of the, the expectations of what they, you know, and there's so much of of the, the old type of trade, which is, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news. Right. And there, there I think there was so much already built into that, that there was a very high probability that we were going to stop 
And same thing with the UK, which announced today that they're going to be scaling out of buying oil in Russia. But I mean, how much of that was already priced in? And again, it just goes back to whatever the story is or whatever the situation is. Right? It's a lot of it is buy the rumor and sell the news. Right. So, you, you know, the taking the profits into, you know, when you've got names that are up five or 10 percent, if you're not putting some of that money in your pocket <laughs> when you get a move like that, oh, I know, I know. especially on something that you may not be, you know, a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, you may have never traded in NOV or an, or an Oxy or yeah. you know, any of these 20 or 30 names in energy or the 20 or 30 names that you may be looking at now in commodities. So, you know, <laughs> you can't get to be an expert in, the, in all of these names that are moving like this just in like the last, you know, week or two weeks. So, yeah, taking profits, in my opinion um really helps and, it, and it's yeah. nice to be able to catch some of the moves um no way that you can that's the other thing that you have to think about too i think in terms of strategy in this market is you're not going to catch every one of these moves right there's just no way that you're going to be able to have 10 commodity plays on and you know and then if there's a headline that happens in the market where all of a sudden like we just got an, an hour ago and things are going to flip around like that so you really have to kind of think think about strategy planning out your trade what you're expecting and and then um and then moving from there i mean i i thought for, you know for the last couple of days i was looking at the solar group and saying okay at some point this this um you know the, this these stocks have been in the doghouse, right? All the all the clean energy names. But at some point, the higher the price of that crude goes, it's you've got to start pulling up some of these names, even though the market doesn't like or hasn't liked the more expensive names because they are they're they're a lot more in terms of valuation. They're ex most of these names are a lot more expensive than the than the energy, um, you know, than, than the old school energy names. But um, now they're they're finally catching, and there was a nice little move back in here, check back. Um, over the last couple of days, and and I'm liking what's going on in this group right now today. Uh, and I mentioned before Christian came on that I sometimes miss news on this show. I did I did just see that McDonald's has temporarily ceased operations in Russia. I know they're getting a lot of heat for that decision. So, uh, oh well, uh, Thomas Friedman saying who? Thomas Friedman, author. He's the guy that said that two countries that have a McDonald's will never go to war with each other. Oh great! Uh, kind of vind he's kind of vindicated now, right? Nice they don't. Quote. He'll say, "Oh, they don't have big Big Macs anymore." Uh, yeah, this is not. Yeah, man, this is not good. <laughs> this is the, the, this is an escalation. We need de-escalation. Um, right. yeah, anyway, it's, it's, it sounds like the last companies, you know, that um, you know, there was a bunch of companies right right away that said said that they weren't going to do. I, I know, those. but a, a lot a lot of hotels have are, are have remained operating, and I'm not tr I'm not here to point out whether it's right or wrong i'm just it's just an observation i think a lot of the hotels are still still have operations in russia saw a tweet this morning go by about like a, it was like a list of companies that are uh, um still doing that by the way the apple event i think has started just as an fyi uh again probably not going to be the biggest thing in the world but watching apple right now uh as they unveil uh you know wow apple continuing with to go with the rest of the market frankly it's just it's very what a what a remarkable move today, Christian. And and really, I'm not even sure what I watched the Biden press conference. Yep. And I and I'm sure you did too. And I am not even sure why we're doing this. What this move here? Or, or, do you understand it? I the what I do understand. I mean, 
on most days I'm not understanding everything that's going on, but I think yeah, okay. you try to pull a little bit of information. I mean, I think coming into today and it's very difficult to, to pick the exact day that it's going to happen, but you kind of just felt like, Hey, sentiment is getting a bit washed out. And I think for the, for the action that we're seeing right now with IWM, which is up 2.8% for the day, I think right now you just kind of have to take it as um, there's going to be these oversold, moves right now and i think that we were due for this and i even said it like you know in, in my pre-market session uh yesterday morning i said hey at some point i think that we're going to get another one of these pretty decent squeezes that goes on where you get this big oversold move and for a day maybe a day and a half things just rip to the upside without any major news it's just the fact that things have gotten so washed out Right. And I hate to, to call it a bear market rally, but there's going to be some areas of the market that are in bear markets. Right. Not, you know, not every area of the market. Certainly the commodities are in bull market right now, but there's going to be some areas of the market that are going to have these these rip your face off type um, bear market rallies. Um, you know, I just bought some data dog. Right. I mean, this is Ooh. as a trade. Right. And, and the chart does not look good. I'm not holding this. Right. And it doesn't really matter so much what the chart looks like for a day trade. But on something like this, where I've just seen it go down like four days in a row, it's a name that had pretty good earnings. It's unloved right now. But I saw some calls go across the tape and I'm like, OK, this is perfect because we're seeing all of a sudden, like over the last hour, we're seeing a lot of um reversion type trades so i'll just be in this one you know to the end of the day and you know that's how you have to think about this market right now in terms of the beaten up areas of the market and i don't have like a particular i like to be more like a catalyst type trade for this for for when you see these reversions like i'm also looking at marriott but the problem the problem is is the market is has moved so fast if you don't you know click the mouse very quickly you know this yeah. thing's already this this name you know, because all the travel stocks are ripping now on this headline. So this is up 7%. So you, you got to be really quick. And are these, are these I daily, don't even know what headline we're talking are about. Are these daily candles, Christian? <laughs> yeah, these are, these are daily candles. What headline are we talking about? I, th I think just the, to just the last headline about that it's, I'm not, again, I'm not sure if I would call it a concession, but Ukraine coming out and saying like, hey, well, we don't necessarily have to be in, NATO, which was right. one of also Russia's demands for exactly supposedly right. so ending yeah, the you war. Gotta, you got to right. you know put the connect the dots here a little bit. So right, I, it, so I, it, it sounds, it sounds like they're working right. Russia proposes <laughs> these conditions to end the war, and then Ukraine the next day says, "Yeah, we we're we're fine with pretty much right. the main thing in there." It sounds like there it's talks toward de-escalation. I'm not. Right. I'm not and, saying everything, you know, everything's these, rainbows and butterflies, but I'm, exactly. I'm hopefully optimistic. <laughs> no, but for, for, for a day trade, and, and that's how you, and, and I think really that's how you have to look at it is like, oh, geez, you know, look at, look at how bad the airlines have gotten crushed. Oh my right? gosh. And, brutal. And, brutal. And look at, huh? It's been brutal. It's been brutal. So, so look at United. Like, so all of a sudden you start to see, you know, and, and why, and watching the option flow helps a little bit because you could kind of say, Okay, what are they doing buying, you know, United Airlines calls? Well, the, the momentum in this market is just unbelievable right now. I mean, this is now up 9%. So, that's how fast things are moving and, you know, that's how oversold. I mean, this United Airlines went from $43 to 30, right? And 
I get it. There's there's reasons why it's done that. The price of jet fuel is crazy expensive. People are not going to be able. There's going to be some decrease in consumer spending. So you guys were talking about this morning about hey, what happened to Macy's and what happened to this stuff? Well, all of a sudden it's just it's a knee jerk reaction that once you've got that move up in crude, all of a sudden like oh, does that mean like no one's going to be spending or is it going to be a decent haircut? in terms of consumer discretionary spending. Christian, I wonder if you think that that the more volatile the moves that we get, the later in this phase we are, like the closer we are to the end. And I don't mean to the end of like this, this war in Ukraine. I mean like the end of this phase of the market, like the crazier, the wilder the moves we get, the closer we get to us entering a new phase, whatever that phase may be. That's a great question, and I and to tell you the truth, you know, I'm watching. I'm I'm glued to the to the monitors every day, you know, watching for for things, and you know, just 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 a couple hours ago, what you know, what was the? I can't see it on my screen here, because uh, but I think the VIX was a thirty-seven and a half, and we're down to thirty-three. So, I what I, <laughs> so yeah, we're we're moving very quickly, and every day it's basically looking for okay, has what level of, you know, how extreme has this gotten? And, you know, so it's, it's a little bit of saying, okay, these things are really getting, um, the moves are getting bigger and bigger, but I got to see some, some type of confirmation that, um, something is basically coming in like the VIX. Like I would like to see the VIX start to get below 30. Right. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get there yet. And if we kind of stay above 30, then it should tell you that, like, hey, we're not out of the woods yet. Right. And looking for some of these things, even like what's been troubling me, too, is like the put call ratio has not gotten extreme. Now, it, does it need to get extreme or do we just or is it just you know, the level of selling that we think is extreme. So these are the things that I try to kind of like put together every day and, and figure out. And it kind of tells me as well, the overall level of, of exposure that I, that I want to have in this market. And also instead of fighting with this market, because I'm normally a swing trader and I've come on your, your show now mm -hmm. a few times. I talk about how, you know, I'm, I'm, that's my game is swing trading, but right now I've got the day traders hat on right? Because that's what, that's where the money's to, to be made. And with the VIX staying above 30, you just cannot have, like, at least for me, it cannot have a lot of positions on. Uh, the phrase that I was, was talking about earlier is like, it, with the VIX over 30, more positions on is more problems um, because this market is just moving too fast on headlines. Christian, in a normal environment, how much cash do you have in your portfolio and, and how much cash do you have now? Normal, like I always like I'm never really fully invested in, in my trading account. I always have okay. like I'll usually when I'm like happy with the way the market is going and moving and I'm seeing a lot of things, it's usually I'll, I'll be like about 75, 80 percent invested. I always like to have some yeah. dry powder available. But um, right now, like I'm, I'm like 80, 75, 80 percent um, cash right now. And, um, you know, I've tried to kind of get into, you know, I've, what's been working for me is more of those commodity plays, you know, of course. And every time I try to like dip my toe into another area of the market, you know, just to be like, Hey, well, maybe this is going to turn, or maybe that's going to turn. Um, it's been very difficult. Like I tried a trade and this is what we're seeing. Like, this is a good example, by the way, for just to show you like, why like an ON semiconductor is something right now like I have my eye on, but um, 
wait for my screen to adjust here for just a second. But we're just seeing in the growth area, there's so many just false breakouts or names that are just getting close to where they're going to be. And then they stall. Like I was looking at this last week, looking for it to break like right around 6350. Couldn't do it. Um, and then you got to be quick. And if, if, if it fails, um, you know, this is what has happened. So um, now it's kind of doing rather than breaking out or basically trying to break in, you know, back into to his own. But, you know, this growth space is just very difficult. And, you know, that's why I mentioned I'm in Datadog just for the day, because it's, you know, other than seeing a couple a couple days of green, you're, we're just not getting enough follow through to be swing trading this group right now. Man. It's just, it's just so much out there. If anyone has any questions for ticker, uh, for Christian, any tickers you want to drop in the chat, do that now, please. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or not. Um, and we can start with some charts and seeing what Christian, uh, seeing, seeing his take on things. And, um, I mean, I'm just looking ahead there, there, you know, we have some earnings tonight, tomorrow, we got the fed next week. We have CPI number on Thursday, which is going to be very important, important. Um, yes, let's see. What else? Uh, interesting. So re I have Regeneron up here while I'm waiting for you guys to um, to go through some some of your ET. charts. Wait. This is one that I tried trading real quickly yesterday. Um, noticed that the candle was um, pretty nasty yesterday. Um, I was calling it disgusting, uh, but uh, it did not close like you know for my signal, which which would be like for a move above uh, sorry six twenty eight. But it's trying again today, and I I, I like what's I feel like there's something going on here or there's something that could be happening because the price action is so tight right now in Regeneron. So, you know, this is where I do a lot of monitoring, you know, being that the energy names, though, the commodity names have worked really well, the food names. But it's going to be like, well, what's the next thing that's going to possibly start to move? So while those areas of the market have been really well doing very well i'm doing a lot of monitoring of a lot of other areas of the market again not so much investing or getting in you know having to take a position in but i'm really doing a lot of like monitoring of okay if we start to see some type of a shift or if there's the right headline right then you know another group of stocks could get going so that's where you really want to be prepared all right couple of tickers here coming from the chat uh and no surprise they're all commodity based uh all right uh d d wpm wheat and precious metals isn't that what that yeah. is uh yes yeah, so yeah. just thought, yeah i just talked about that one all and right, i all right. got this one today i took my profits for now and ran and as soon as i don't know why i'm having a tough time here with the with the charts are being slow right. uh but again that's that's the old laptop being on uh being on a laptop but I did take my my target in this one today, um, which was basically right at uh, forty nine twenty. So I'm out of this. If you're looking at this now, right, um, I would want to see it close above that forty nine twenty level, and then you can concentrate on moving um, the next upside target. I I see on my chart is fifty two sixty, which is a virgin point of control, which is another area of high volume that price is not revisited. So the trend looks pretty good here. Uh, and I think this just if I could just, you know, add my little strategy into this group, right? Notice that a couple of what you're going to see in a lot of these charts, typically, now I know that there's a lot of uh, momentum right now in these groups, but what you want to see is probably a little bit of digestion um, that's, that's going to take place. Um, and then you could possibly look for that next move 
um, which I think it would be up to 52. But, I, you know, we could go through as many of these commodity charts, but it's, look- it's funny. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about these groups and I was getting crickets. Right. And, you know, I, I would put out a chart of gold and say, hey, this is really interesting. And I'd get like five likes. I'm like, I don't understand. Like the chart setup looks so good here. And now everybody's asking me about what like, can I say? Yeah, we, we, just, we all we all have shiny object syndrome. Yeah, Christian, yeah. Christian from Hertz from Tribeca Trade Group. Uh, let's do like one or two more. Yeah, uh, wait, 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 wait. What is what is what is PLG? I don't know that one. Platinum. Okay, that's platinum. Well, same thing. Um, yeah, which one? PLG. Easy mics is interesting, and then oh, uh, platinum group metals. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know this name. This is a penny stock. Uh, yeah, so you can see it's down three and a half percent for the day. It, it also hit one of these red lines, virtual point of control. So I would want to see it stay back above three seventy to see if there's something bigger. And and just to be even more simpler too with this chart, watch the two hundred day moving average. Right, if price happens to go above two hundred day, the two hundred day moving average, then you could use that as your stop. Currently, and we still have a couple hours to go, so any anything could happen. But I would basically, I would be watching to see if it can close above the 200-day moving average. Platinum is another one too, where you know here's here's a platinum chart. Again, like if you're looking at um, a miner, oh, I always look at the underlying commodity first and see you know what the story is. So um, there's been you know. Platinum's been something that I've been trading too through the um, ETF, which is PALL. And um, at this point, like, I don't. That, that's that's palladium, isn't it? Oh yeah, this is palladium. I'm sorry, platinum yeah, is yeah. is um. Thank you. Is is PL right? So this has started to kind of waken up too a little bit, and. I would be watching to see if it can kind of maintain in here, maybe consolidate for a couple of days, back and fill a little bit, and then twelve twenty three would be the what I would be looking for there. But just right. to look at the underlying commodity, Christian from Hertz. There's a link to uh, his Twitter and uh, his his group Tribeca Trading Group in the description of this video. Christian, always a pleasure, man. Uh, stay safe. Try to keep your head on a swivel. I guess is all I can say. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great all day. Right. All right. Um, I want to go to Apple, but before I do that, I just saw this really good tweet go by. Today is, of course, International Women's Day, and I saw this tweet from Y Charts that looked at there. So there's 31. I think the number 31. 30. There's 31 companies out of the S and P 500 that are that have women CEOs. Okay. If you put those 31 companies in an index and compare that performance to the S&P 500 over the last 10 years, the 31 women-led companies crush it. Just look at this. Look at this outperformance. Purple is the 31 companies led by women. In the S&P, orange is the rest of the S&P. Oh, or the shoot. They have a list. I was going to try to guess as many as I could. AMD was the first one I thought of. Um, yeah, AMD group. Uh, is is is, yeah, is a Bumble. big one. Okay, CBS. GM is an obvious one. Nasdaq is a match. Um, anyway, um, I guess the takeaway here is invest in companies led by women. And you're I wonder if there are other factors. Like I don't know. Yeah, 
obviously this this is sort of a little it's a little, a little bit tongue in cheek because not all these companies have been led by women for the last the last ten years. Um, so well, and that's what I'm saying too. Like but, maybe, but maybe the point still stands. A company that is like willing to hire a woman as a CEO has other things, other attributes that other companies don't have. Yeah, maybe. That that, that make it a, g- a good company. You're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Like it's open-minded and pre, you know whatever. Like the uh, there might be other factors that are included. That's yep. really interesting, though. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to go to Apple because, as I mentioned, the event's going on right now. New we, iPad Air. We we can't stream that because they Apple will get very very angry if we do. But we can show you all the headlines and Benzinger Pro that we're missing as we do this show. So here we go. Um, bunch of headlines. Let, let's run through these and let's go chronological order here. So uh, I saw this headline already. Uh, baseball. If there ever is baseball ever again, there will be Friday night baseball exclusively on Apple TV Plus. This is this is going to be a theme now. More and more sports leagues are going to be going onto exclusive platforms. You know, Apple TV Plus here, Paramount there, or Netflix there, Amazon, Amazon there. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, NFL is doing Thursday night football exclusively on right. Amazon Prime, which actually. I will say Amazon has some cool attributes to, to its broadcast of the NFL. I haven't, I've never seen it. They have like an x-ray feature where you can like, I, I don't know, like if you're on a computer, you can like mouse over and read stats of like whatever player just made a play. I, like they're trying to do some cool innovative stuff. And if any company has the money and the means to do that, well, Amazon and Apple. So I'm yeah. curious to see how they try to kind of um, – you know, make the experience more immersive, kind of um, use some of its tech and and tools Agreed. to revitalize a, a 50-year-old format, yeah, format. Of, of broadcasting a baseball game. Yeah. Like, there, it hasn't changed. Like, the broadcast of a baseball cha- a game has not changed that uh, much yeah. in the last 30, 40 yeah. years. I mean, HD? They, yeah, there, there have been incremental improvements, but you're right. Broadly speaking, the format hasn't changed. Um, um, you just... Just Aaron just dropped something. That's Apple. What? It was my AirPods. Don't worry about it, Aaron. Um, <laughs> okay, going back to Apple, they announced a um, iPad Air with an M1 chip, starting at five ninety nine. Uh, they they talked about the iPhone already. Uh, let's see. Uh, new M1 Ultra chip. What else are we seeing? That's kind of it looks like that's kind of it, right? Yeah, I mean, this is the same event where they released like the Air Tags last year. Yo, Air oh, t- Aaron Thomas is pissed. There's no M2 chip. He's heated. Oh, producer Aaron Thomas is not happy right now. He's not happy. He's in a bad he mood. He might need nap time or something. Christian Gallagher, that's a very good point on the Manning cast. Um, yeah, that that was innovative from Disney and ESPN. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to. I know Amazon is also, I believe, has the rights to broadcast a couple of PGA events, or they're doing like some sort of golf content, which I'm excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking speaking of, how's my Callaway doing? Oh God, what am I? What did I do? How is so what now, a mistake. Now, now Callaway's at its pre-COVID levels, which again, what I a mean, mistake. we talked about this with Netflix. I mean, some of these companies that are at their pre-COVID levels really have have had significant growth uh, in in that two-year span. Callaway's one of them. Yep. I mean, Callaway's sales broke records during COVID. 
and wait, the stock price doesn't reflect it. Yeah, well, I just, I just want to address this comment first. It's not just you. So it's everything just turned again. Well, again, uh, not. It's just like we talked about. Not everything just turned. Chevron, oil, and stuff. Th- those are going no, back up. No, so they've turned. They've turned. Callaway is going down. Jason Drazek, you want to come on the show? Oh gosh, I didn't. I, that wasn't a serious. <laughs> that wasn't a serious thing. So what's Callaway at right now? Twenty one seventy. Yeah, I, I own it, Raz. So I bought more Callaway yesterday. Oh, you and me. I didn't buy it yesterday. But. So I I was I went to this Michigan golf show on um, Sunday, and it was the most packed thing I've ever seen. I think between Top Golf and Callaway, I, I really need to study the financials. I need yeah. to read the last like KY. I need to read the quarterlies um, just to see how the numbers are being made up, like where the components is, where the profit is for Top Golf. I want to see what the expansion plans are, but it's one of the very few experiential experiences that you can go outside, enjoy, and ha- have an activity. I mean, the movie theaters used to be that. Top Golf was packed. I, I checked that out. Um, Callaway cut their Phil Mickelson deal. And oh, yeah. um, I saw that. They probably, you know, in essence, may save a little bit of money, but Callaway has a huge name, has huge golfers. In its portfolio, they have some new products coming out. I like Callaway. I've been buying it since 28 down to 21. If okay. it breaks 20, I will buy more. Um, but I, can we get the CEO on? Has anyone reached out to the CEO for Callaway? Because I do have some questions um, on expansion. I think this stock's at 40 or 50 a year from now. Wow. You could be like a Carl Icahn investor and get in there and, and sh- shake some things up, make the make the business moves Callaway needs to make to, to make that next step. Well, so speaking of that, speaking of what you're talking about, there's these programs where you pay a subscription fee and then automatically you get renew you get a new car, so like an Apple computer. Wait, I'm on the phone right now. What the <laughs> what is going on? What? I didn't mean to call you as a butt dial, Seth. I'm on, I'm on the Benzinga show, sorry. Oh, bloody Seth. Wow. Okay. Wait, who did so, you just butt dial? Seth, this guy Seth Rodder, I don't know, big investor. All right. All right. Seth Marin, I don't know. So so I think if Callaway can somehow like an Apple computer introduced uh, you know, computers upgrades. Oh, like and, I get and, a new Callaway driver every year. It's some something, something to that great. regard. And every two years you start building a subscription fee business. Um, or or it's a warranty thing. So if you get a mark, so I have a mark on my driver right now. I would like to. I would have paid a, like a warranty thing. There's a lot of things like that that these companies can do uh, to make so much added revenue, but they don't do it right now because they just focus on the club innovation. They're not focusing on insurance. Like you guys talk about Tesla and how Tesla is going to make money long term. One of my guys who gave me Tesla before anyone knew what Tesla was, he thinks the way Tesla is making lo- money long term is on insurance. So there's derivative streams of income that Callaway is not approaching that I think it can. And I think you can do very well in it. Um, awesome. So that's my take on Callaway. But is it one you need to buy today? Listen, the stock that was at 28 now is at 21. Could it uh, break 20? Sure. I just think that there's it's one of the very few pure golf plays that has diversified with um, Top Golf. And Top Golf to me seems like it's doing well. If you guys listening see something different, let me know. Um and yeah, here's that chart. Raz, did you, real real fast? Did you did you see the little happy birthday gift we made for you? No, I did not. There it is. Happy birthday, belated birthday. I yesterday, was, I was going to come on the show to, yesterday when you and uh, Dennis and Charles, uh, not Charles, you Dennis and Joel were on. Yeah, but then I'm like, uh, it'll be too. Great then he just said, wait, 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 no. Now that you're here, you didn't respond to my Slack. 
Thursday, are you available? Pre-market prep. Thursday morning. I think so. Okay. He thinks so, he said. Well, yeah. yeah. I want to know, Rez, what was, what was this golf event you were at? Dude, come on. He didn't invite you. Get over I know, it. I, it's, Get it's over every, it. Every day, Jason's taking Josh to like a new. Th- cool th- this thing. was not. This was not cool by any means. There's the suburban uh, show place in Michigan. There's probably four thousand, three thousand people there, and they had every golf thing you could imagine. A lot of like well, golf cool exchanges, balls. Yeah. Right. What I was going there was to check out AstroTurf. I wanted to like put a putting green in my backyard. So I wanted to see AstroTurf. There was that one AstroTurf vendor that built a 17,000 square foot thing. Oh, it, it was an get, expo. It was a golf expo. Yes. Okay. So okay. if you guys want to see what I'm talking about, Google Mark. Well, it should be on our freaking site, but it's not. Google Mark Wahlberg's backyard. Why can't we do best backyards on Benzinga on a Saturday? Why can't we do that article? I don't so, know. Yeah. So best backyards. Google Mark Wahlberg's backyard. That's what we want to do. Well, maybe you cool. took us to more cool stuff. We'd be doing. Excuse me, you're the last person. Are you kidding me? You go to everything. Are you kidding me right now? I didn't get to go see the dunk contest. Josh got shoes from Obi Top. Aaron, no one here has been to more shit than you. Yeah. No one here has been to more stuff. Josh did get shoes from the slam dunk champion, uh, Obi Toppin. Yeah. What are they saying in the chat? Yeah, I know. See, they're, like they're, they're signed, and the shoes are the sickest shoes I've ever seen. Okay. I'll bring them in around. Okay. Josh Everyone, cool. guys. Josh Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. Mike Tyson's coming to. I think Mike Tyson's coming to the Benzinga can. I think Mike Tyson's coming to the Benzinga cannabis uh, event. BZCannabis.com. If you're in Miami, four twenty, four twenty one. Meet Mike Tyson. Use it. Use Chris it. Weber, use Al it. Harrington. Use the discount code in the description. It shows thirty to get thirty percent off your ticket. I'm gonna see if I can get Dave Portnoy to come. He'll be there too. He'll be in Miami. I'm not saying he's coming, but I'll. And if you guys know the Nelk Boys, I'll get Steve. Will do it to come. Okay. If you guys know who that is, do you know who that is? Say it again, sorry. Whatever happened to the prank that you were gonna do last Thursday on the ice when you go? Oh, he did it. He did it. It was funny. We'll start... Jason right now? No, 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 no. Spencer, tell me real quick. We can't you, do it right now. Before you we... bring on Tim, before you take Tim, did he go up to people and say, "Can you take a picture?" He went up to a woman on the ice rink. If you missed him on Friday's show, and he, he said, "Would you please take a picture?" And she said, "Sure." And she, and then he and then he, she was holding his phone, and then he he was like, "No, no, no, not me. Just of of the building." And then she was <laughs> no, very I kept she... moving back, and she was trying to like skate backwards to like get me in the picture. And I just kept moving okay. back with her, and she had no clue what was going. Okay. on. it was hilarious. It was so, funny. So you only did twelve minutes. So what I'm saying is, tomorrow for twenty, you can go to Tim and say, for tomorrow for twenty minutes, just go do that to like seven people. All right. Like, why why can't do we do that? We make stuff entertaining. We need. Like we're at a, almost one hundred fifty thousand subscribers. We need to get to a million. Do twenty pranks. You're gonna go. You're our prank guy. Okay. All right. Spencer, he's the awkward prank guy. What's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with that. I didn't say anything. <laughs> okay, it looks like you got all pithy at me. Uh, no. <laughs> Luke was complimenting you last night, Spencer. So Luke was? Yeah, he, th- he thinks, yeah, I, I, you know, I shouldn't get into it because it's like a... Please, please tell, please. Spencer's ego is, is so, out so out of control. Like his head is, Wait, does the soundboard... I'm surprised it even fits, does, does, that, even fits does the, the door. Does the soundboard work? Yes. Yeah. Let me hear a sound. All right, here, You're not wearing headphones. I don't need to wear headphones. What do you want? You want... Uh, Tim, I'm sorry, man. This is what happens. There's no sound. See, this is BS. Yo, producer, no sound. Oh, I got it. Uh, it. One more. Oh, that's boring. Okay. I guess I've been cut. (laughs) That's it. That's what that means. Jason Raznick, everyone. Round of applause. All right. We'll we'll get him. And and he just decides to walk in front of the thing because why wouldn't he do that? All right. Let's bring on Tim Quast, Market Structure Edge. If you were here about an hour... In a half ago, I mentioned that I've got a discount code for you to share for Market Structure Edge, and I was waiting to bring Tim on to share it. So let's bring Tim on the show right now, and we can talk about what he's watching 
and then give you that code. Oh, what up, Tim? How we doing? Well, that was very entertaining. That was. That was oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> How are we looking out there, man? Things. It's been a weird day of several reversals. Um, we've now reversed for like the the third or fourth time now. Um, just intraday. I mean, um, you, you you shot me a note earlier. Uh, you know, you you said you were watching. Ah, what do you what do you say? You said you're well, well. Yesterday we you you talked about Splunk, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. so we we could check in on that, but I'm just curious what you're seeing right now in terms of in terms of supply and demand. Well, you remember that on pre market prep, and I noticed that Raz was doing the Dennis dance, which I yeah, think, I don't I yeah, think, it, it did I look so Dennis, awfully similar. He'd have to have a license from Dennis yeah, to do that, perhaps. So there could be perhaps. could be a copyright violation, but the. <clears throat> Uh, but you'll recall that on pre-market prep, we talked about how the data indicated a, a move away from the big and stable stocks toward back toward tech. And uh, I don't know what I haven't looked closely to see what led the rallies today, <clears throat> but I think it was primarily tech, right? It was, it was everything. It, it, it's so strange, uh, uh, Tim. What like an hour and a half ago now, or whenever the heck Biden was done speaking. Everything reversed. So what? What was up? Which was oil and defense mm -hmm. stocks. Those all turned down. Everything else was down. Those all turned up, and then that was the way it was until mm, what? About a half hour ago now, where everything just kind of reversed again. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when 53% of market prices are set by high-frequency traders. Now, if fast trading machines set prices, they're going to change direction based on the, what you could call the tick data. So yeah. as bids and offers change, the one thing that will explode around those is fast trading. We measure those on Market Structure Edge. We, you, know, you can see which behavior is responsible uh, for, for doing this, but, and that behavior has prevailed all over the market. If you looked at the, uh, the last five trading days, investment behavior in the broad market and in tech about the same down 8%. There, there continues to be some passive selling in tech. So tech was worse than the broad market, you know, NASDAQ and bear territory, uh, uh, bear territory down 20%. So, but half the S and P 500 is too. uh, but the moment that changes, high frequency traders it, and uh, IEX put out some, some great data. IEX is, is a stock exchange. It was the topic of this uh, book by Michael Lewis called Flash Boys. They put out some great data around how customer orders affect the market where there would be an investor in, involved. So let's say Morgan Stanley has an investor and they're working a trade and what effect that has on how the price changes versus what happens when say, no offense to Citadel, Citadel or Hudson River Trading or Jane Street firms that have are principally, pro, principally principal traders, proprietary traders, what effect they have. And it's a factor of 200. The, the, like, the, the way that high-speed traders affect the market versus a customer order is 200 times greater. So when the market reverses direction like that, you, you can know implicitly 
that that is not the behavior of rational people. That is the, the waxing and waning of the underlying interest by investors. So if investors come into the market, woo, the prices take off. If they stop what they're doing, boom, the prices go down. Now, why is it so volatile? Well, because whatever the 20-day baked-in volatility is, is the volatility that machines will impute to the market, and it will become more volatile. So you have to tell, how do you deal with that? That's the hard part. Because I'm sure that one could have said yesterday after I said, well, look at these trends. I mean, it looks like, you know, it looks like tech could do pretty well. And then tech falls off the cliff. Right? <laughs> and so you say, well, what's Quas talking about? I mean, the tech just got demolished. Well, it's not the way I think about it. I think about how supply demand changes and then a number of days could be, could be one, two days, could be five days will affect and change the market because that's the only way to successfully navigate a market where machines are so much faster than everybody else. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I, I, I have a rather embarrassing question to ask you. Um, <laughs> there was a firm. This is really embarrassing because I saw a Twitter thread from the CEO, but I don't remember. What's the name of that firm? All I'm going to tell you, all I can say is it starts with an R. It's okay. like a high freak, high freak, high freak firm uh, or uh, their market makers. Okay. God, oh my um, gosh. I'm trying to, because there was a Twitter I'm, thread. Okay. Oh, uh, well, I'm, you're not thinking of Vertu. Are you thinking of no, Vertu, no, no. Doug Seafood? No, I'm not, not, I'm not thinking of Doug Seafood. I'm not thinking of that. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, and there was a Twitter thread about, I, I told you, I told you about the John Stewart thing, how there was, um, yeah. they were talking about the market structure thing on, on John Stewart's show. And, and, and he had a, he had a, a good, what I thought was a very good response. Um, it was the CEO of this firm okay. and I'm blank. I, I'm blanking on it right now. I want I want to get your thoughts on it, but I can't get your thoughts on it until I know until I bring it up and I can't bring it up to remember what the name of the damn firm was. Um okay, if it comes to me in the next 10 minutes we're going to talk about it, but if not then that's really a shame. Um so by the way, I heard yeah. uh, I heard Jason Rasnick mention one of the well, apparently one of the investors, Seth Marin. So there's a big market structure name. Seth Marin, if indeed's the case, He's the guy who started LiquidNet, yeah, one of the great market structure firms in the markets. Anyway, little tidbit, yeah, yeah. He's been to our uh, our Benzinga FinTech Awards, um, which you that. which you've been a winner of. Um, okay, so wait, uh, let's put that conversation aside for okay. a second. If it, if it comes to me, I'll th uh, great. If not, then that's okay. Um, I'm not thinking of Renaissance tea. Um, let's go to the market here and let's just go overall. Uh, if you can, if, if we can pull market structure age and let's just look at yeah. the cues versus spy or um, whatever and just see what's happening out there. Yeah, absolutely. And while I'm doing this, I should mention, since you were talking about Callaway, yeah. that if you, if you want to, the only thing, you know, here's Callaway over the last year down 30%, right? So, yeah. so the only thing to do is buy it when it's a one and let it go all the way to 10, and when it returns below 5, sell it. That would give you 8% over the last year because it spends, it spends so much time below 5. That's the problem. So it's not you'd have to tell Jason to save his time wading through all the fundamentals because that won't do it. And it's, you have to trade supply and demand. That'll do it. 
Okay, let's go over to the, but I just thought I'd point that out. I mean, if you, you can make money trading a stock that declines, but you have to buy the waxing and waning of supply and demand. That's my belief. So that's a good, that's a good leap. Look, it's not the same as long-term buying and holding. I get that. Rosenblatt is who I was thinking Rosenblatt. of. Oh, sure. I know. Rosenblatt. I know, uh, I know a number of the team there. Uh, Joe Goronsky, um, and they're great market structure people. So what was his answer? I would like so to it, it was, this is a thread. It was from Justin, uh, Justin, Justin. Shack. Yeah. Yeah. I, know who, Justin. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know him at, at all, but, uh, I, he had a, what I thought was a very good response, uh, to the, to John Stewart's segment about, um, whatever, however you want to describe, characterize it about the GameStop. Um, market structure madness thing that happened last year or that is still going on really. Um, I just put the link by the way to this thread in the chat. Um, and it, Justin's take was basically you can win you can beat the hedge funds simply by buying broad-based index funds and holding. That's how you that's how you really beat them. Trying to beat them at their own game is sort of a fool's errand. And a lot of his, and this is this is maybe a like an unpopular opinion, so I want to tread lightly because I don't want to get canceled. But um, his take, and again, he he has obviously a bias because he's coming at this from his firmest point of view. But, but I kind of agree with it, which is like there's a lot of misplaced anger out there. Uh, people are conflating um wealth inequality with the fact that the market is rigged against them and all these things that happened and um I, and and his take was basically came down to fees are at the lowest they've ever been it is easier than ever to invest uh and it is easy to not play the same game as the hedge funds and just simply buy index funds and hold them for years and years and that's how you win the game um, and that was more or less his take. A lot of the anger is just misdirected, he thinks. And I kind of agree with it, honestly. So um, I just well, put the link to that in the chat. Okay. But so my response, take. yeah, I, well, it's the, it, to me, without offense to Justin, it is a, it's, a, it's an easy answer. The easy answer that all the people who have been market watchers for significant periods of time will say is the trouble is you can't time the market and you can't out trade the traders. All you can do is buy and hold. Well, okay. Yeah. But look, look what's happened here just in the last uh, month. I, I, I'll tell and I, I don't want to, I, I want to make sure that I, that I respond to this because I think there's an important response to this. Yeah. Uh, but look at the look at the Nasdaq. You know, the Nasdaq it took took the Nasdaq twenty years to go from five thousand to ten thousand. We got there in yep. twenty twenty, and 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 then from the pandemic to November, we went from ten to seven, almost seventeen thousand. Yep. But now year. it's twelve seven, right? So we've given now now if you were to calibrate the average annual return from. 2000 to 2022 in the Nasdaq, it's not even keeping up with inflation. And I, we, we had this discussion before, long ago, year ago, on benzene at pre-market prep. The trouble is that buy and hold doesn't produce the returns one supposes. It did. It's becoming more challenging. And ask the Japanese 
what they think of the buy and hold strategy. I know. That's, all, know? That, that's, always, that's always the answer. What is in now do Japan? I want to just read the last two tweets from his thread. Yeah. It was, a, like I said, a very good thread overall. Last yep. two tweets. There's plenty wrong with the financial system, capitalism, politics, and how they interact with one another. Banning payment for order flow tomorrow ain't going to fix it, dude. I could have written the entire episode in one sentence. Don't put a single cent into an individual stock if you can't afford to lose it. Period. End of story. That's it. I I agree with a lot of a lot of his thread, and that was how he ended it. And I I, I liked it a lot, so I just wanted to bring it up here because, um, yeah. I I heard about that Christian. There was a documentary on HBO. I put it on my watch list. I'm gonna watch it. It's gonna piss me off. I'm gonna watch it anyway. Uh, but there's a thing all about the GameStop thing that I feel obligated to watch. For, for work so we can talk about it but um anyway back to back to the, the the market structure tim so callaway let's move on from that let's go overall here okay and i want to tack on just one, one key thing about justin's observations and the the you know the, the, his his point that it's it's very inexpensive to trade stocks it's free mm-hmm. uh and there's broad access for retail money. That's not the problem. My problem I, I, with payment for order flow is not that retail money doesn't get good prices. I'm a retail trader. You're a retail yeah. trader. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I look that those things are good. My problem is that when you introduce into the market a, a majority of the participants whose principal purpose is changing the price, then none of us understand what we're buying. That's the problem. We don't, under, we don't know if the price is correct, and we don't really know what we're buying. And I don't think that those things are helpful. It, it's my problem with ETFs. It's not that I have a problem with the structure of ETFs. It's that people don't know what they're buying. They don't understand yes. that they don't, they don't own anything but a derivative. I think it's if we're going to do what the regulations and the legislation call for in the U.S. equity market, which is to create a free and fair playing field so that competition can do its thing, uh, that the, the market cannot be biased to the advantage of one constituency. And yep. it clearly is. That's, yeah, and, and it distorts the market so that we all struggle. And, and it's happening both directions now. Uh, Aaron, you were, you know, you were talking about some of these these stocks that are now trading below pre-pandemic levels, even though they've grown substantially. Well, how does that reflect fundamentals? That you know, that if if fundamentals drive the market, why is something that is producing more top line and bottom line returns than it did a year ago or two years ago now valued at a lower level? Well, it's a reflection of the distortions created by different purposes and time horizons in price setting. And I think that's very important for people to know. And that leads us into, you know, market structure edge is all about beating the market by understanding how it works. You have to understand what you're participating in. And so uh, the broad market right now, here's where it is. This, This is our way to think about what the condition is in the market. And all you have to know is that the purple part here is SPY. It's our pricing mechanism. And then the, the green part is supply and demand. And that when the market is between the four and the six, that's where all the returns lie. This is statistically borne out over and over again. And when the market goes above the red line, statistically, the opportunity for returns diminishes to zero or less. 
When the market drops below the green line, the opportunity for returns uh, increases substantially. But all the returns occur between those lines. So where are we? Well, right at the moment, we're a four. We're right back to the that baseline. Should be good. Where it should be. I agree. I think that there is a greater opportunity starting now for returns than additional losses. Now, how long that lasts is the trouble. And this goes back to the, the whole discussion about market structure. When 53% of market volume comes from parties whose investment horizon is a day or less, then the whole cycle in the market that everybody depends on shrinks dramatically. So how long is that cycle? Well, we may have an up cycle for, for about eight days. It's, it won't, it'll be lumpy. We'll be up and down. But I think into options expirations next week, uh, there is a good chance that the market produces returns. And if this okay. line stops rising, if you're using edge and this line right here, this green line stops rising and begins to fall again, leave. Because the probability is you're going you're gonna to give back your gains. And, and I realize that this flies in the face of what we've all learned. I'm, you know, I'm old enough to have learned the Benjamin Graham bottom-up approach to investment. But I've also, I'm also young enough to understand that the rules change. Reagan MS changed things in 2007. Decimalization in 2001 changed things. Dodd-Frank changed things. Uh, the, the way that the market works today advantages following it waxing and waning supply and demand. So we just have to adapt to the way it is. Uh, before we go, Tim, I just want to mention the discount code that you were kind enough to send okay. over. If you go to marketstructureedge.com and use the code on the screen, BZLive20, BZLive20. As I understand it, Tim, this is a one-time code that expires on, oh wait, not next Friday. It expires so. the eighteenth. Yep. I think that's right. So that yeah, you know, it's the client services team. Uh, but it's a it's a one month opportunity to su subscribe at a substantial discount, twenty plus percent uh, discount, and it, just give it a try. You know, it's a, a, trading is not for everybody. Uh, market structure is the great equalizer for all stocks. It is a fact the stuff that prices lie uh, at the nexus of supply and demand, and that when they can diverge, prices tend to rise. When they converge, prices tend to fall. And so, give it a try. I mean, it, I, it's a way to understand how the market works today. All right, Tim Quas, MarketStructureEdge.com. Always a pleasure, Tim. Have a good one. Good to see you guys too. Thank you very All right. much. Uh, I threw Tim a curveball there with the Rosenblatt. He was a good, good sport about that. Uh, okay, we got to hop though because it's time for the roadmap. They just booked a really big guest, not for today, but for a future. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So that they, I, I want to... Carol Baskin? Uh, no. Well, no, but uh, kind of reminded me of that in a way. Anyway. <laughs> um, I think that's the project is Cool Cats from the Cool Cats and Cats. Oh, you just ruined it. 
You're just spoiling it. Oh, was I not? Was it supposed to be a surprise? No, I don't know. I was going to let them do it, but I don't uh, care. Whatever. Uh, anyway, this stream is going to end. Go over to our NFT show, The Roadmap, going live right now. Everyone, smash that like button, subscribe, uh, do all that good stuff. Check out Benzinga Pro. Check out the Benzinga Cannabis Conference at bzcannabis.com. Discount code for that in the description on YouTube. Code is shows 30 there. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. Stay green. Stay green. Thank you.